Hey everybody, it's Aldo Gandhi, and I just want to let you know really quickly that our swag shop is reopened. DeepDishTees.com is where you go, and that's tees with T-E-E-S. Clever name, guys. They're the new home of our merchandise. You can get t-shirts, you can get caps, you can get coffee mugs, you can get hoodies, you can get all sorts of good stuff, and you'll help out the borrower with the purchase. So head over to DeepDishTees.com. find the following disturbing discretion is advised put the children to bed it's time for dan and aldo to bear their souls i love the chicago bears more than i do masturbating and that is a lot Then, with three seconds left, Bob Avellini throws a 30-something yard touchdown pass to Greg Latta, and the Bears win, and I literally shit my pants. I swear to God, I literally did. (laughs) Eric Kramer, for me, I love the guy. He's a tragic figure. I mean, he embodies all that is... If they don't run the ball here, I'm going to vomit. I swear to God. Look, I don't mean any disrespect. He just didn't play that well. Not for a guy of his caliber. You know, they won, but I'm, I'm going to be miserable all week because they stunk. I don't, I don't really have any recollection of that at all, but I guess perhaps I blacked it all out. So, Dan, tape is the ultimate tool for scouts and for coaches to evaluate players, to detect plays and so forth. And they spend hours looking at tape, right? Why do they so often get shit wrong? Ladies and gentlemen, Dan and Aldo. I'm here, fortunately. Uh, the <laughs> high school basketball almost made it that I wouldn't be here, but <laughs> God damn it, there's always problems with every broadcast we had. The engineer had to come in, but it, it's all taken care of. I want to say congratulations to Lovey Smith. Yeah. Uh, usually, you only get two chances. The only other guy off the top of my head that coached three different places was Parcells. And Bill won a Super Bowl and took another team to the Super Bowl, but lost. Uh, Lovey's just 0 for 1, so... Hey, but I'm glad he got the gig. Yeah, I'm happy for him, too. Art by Nike he says he's got COVID, so he's uh, sitting back and just going to listen comfortably from his bed. Hope you feel better. And uh, the, who was it? the factor gave us a, a compliment saying that he loves our open, which is funny because uh, Dan and I are going to start thinking about redoing the open. We're going to keep the music, but we're going to come up with something new, Dan. You need to keep that lady, too. Yeah, she's still working. She's from South Africa. 
and she doesn't sound like it at all. No, she's a beautiful voice. Beautiful. She sounds like she grew up like right. I mean, right on the same street, you know? Yeah. I wish she would have grown up in my basement. <laughs> Just kidding. Ah, <laughs> uh, so how are you, man? Hey, stressed, but I'm here. Uh, so you're uh, driving the car. Tell me where we're going. I just sat down in front of this mic, so I'm not. E I'm not even sure w where the discussion's going. But I'm glad we're, I'm, I'm a part of it. Well, uh, the show wouldn't be Dan and Aldo if we didn't have Dan. <laughs> well, I guess that's all true. Those, all those boring hours of talk. <laughs> um, I want to uh, talk about the Chicago Bears and how quickly uh, they can hopefully get back to the Super Bowl. I got some media clips of uh, prominent people talking about the coaching staff and talking about the goods, the good and the bad and the questionable. The Bill Polian interview, he interviewed with the two Chicago sports radio stations last week. I had not heard them until today, and I got a couple of clips of Bill Polian. And I, I got to tell you one thing about that Bill Polian interview, especially the one on ESPN 1000, which is the two clips you'll hear from when he appeared with Waddle and Sylvie. He really, really sounded sincere with every compliment that he threw at George McCaskey and the McCaskey family. I mean, he even said that this was the best experience of his life. And he said it multiple times, and it's hard for me to believe that he was blowing smoke, because Bill Polian, if, you know, he's kind of a he's he's kind of a straight shooter with a, with most of the things that he says, and uh, he he was one of the other things that I really love that he said is it's going to take a while. I mean, this roster just doesn't have the all the horses necessary. So he was straight about that while. Ryan uh, Poles at the press conference says that we can be competitive right away. Bill Polian sort of went the other direction on that. It's going to take a little while. We need some more players over here. And he kept referring to the Bears as we, which was kind of nice to, to hear and see too because it gives him some ownership on that. So we'll we'll be playing that in a few minutes. And uh, then talk about, you know, Lovey Smith because I know he is near and dear to a lot of football fans Uh uh, uh, hearts in, in Chicago, and I know you and I were, were talking about him. You said that when you texted me and said that when Lovey was fired, it was time. Tell us more about that. Well, uh, again, context is king, right? Now, let me say that I was a Lovey fan, but you have to look at the context. Mm -hmm. So, 2011 comes, you know, everyone knows Jay broke his thumb against the Chargers, Johnny Knox, you know. I know he got hurt later, but that play was his fault. The pick was his fault. Jay makes the tackle and uh, breaks his thumb. The Bears are seven and three because the Bears beat the Chargers that night. So the Bears are seven and three. Ultimately, if had they finished nine and seven, they would have made the playoffs, but they didn't. They finished eight and eight. A couple of things happened along the way against Kansas City at Soldier Field. They end up losing to a lackluster Chiefs team that had some jobber at quarterback that I can never remember the name of. Someone should look that up. Whoever was their quarterback in 2011, he played like two games ever, I think. He throws a Hail Mary right at the as the time expired before the half and, and succeeds and throws a touchdown, Doug Flutie style, but right before the end of the half. And that ended up beating us because we couldn't score any fucking points. You're talking about Matt Castle? No, no, no. Matt Castle, uh, it wasn't him. He may have been hurt some other guy that they had in 11. Uh, 
Kyle Orton and Tyler Palco were on Tyler Powell, whatever that that's the guy. <laughs> Palco, yeah, yeah, it's not it doesn't roll off the tongue, does it? Palco, whatever that fucking guy is, just some <laughs> horrible guy. Like it would have been like Jonathan Quinn doing that to somebody. <laughs> so the so the Bears are seven and three, and they finish eight and eight. And you had Donovan McNabb, as everyone knows, a Chicago native, mm-hmm. yearning to be signed. He's out there publicly, you know, please sign me. I want to go play for the Bears. I grew up there. And I have to think if they'd assigned McNabb, they'd at least won two games. There's no way, no doubt in my mind. I agree with you, but that's more of a Jerry Angelo oh, thing. Right, right. Well, that's part of the story. So okay. Jerry Angelo is fired after this collapse. Right. But you have to keep that, put a pin in that, though. That's collapse one. Starting 2012, Jay is back. Oh, let me say one more thing about that, too. The reports were coming out in 11. Had they made the wild card, even if it would have been the lowest seed, Jay's thumb was almost better. He would have played in the wild card game. Mm-hmm. So there's that. Yeah. Uh, now, in 2012, Jay's healthy. They start the year 7-1. Seven and 7-1. One. Seven and one. Mm-hmm. How many teams have started 7-1 didn't make the playoffs? Not many. Yeah. But the 2012 Chicago Bears did that. So you have 7-3. and three, and seven and one, and both times the teams didn't make the playoffs. Now, further context says that was the completion of his ninth season. Mm-hmm. And in nine of those seasons, he failed to make the playoffs six of those nine times. Lovey made the playoffs in 05, 06, and 10. That's it. Mm-hmm. So you're looking at six seasons that failed to even qualify for the playoffs, two historic collapses back to back. I liked Lovey. I am the players love Lovey. I wish him well now. I I would love for Lovey to turn it not to be redundant, but to return it around in te- and with the Texans. But given all of that context, dude, you can't survive that. I mean, you had two Titanic, uh, just monumental collapses back to back. Yeah, I I agree. You know, when when Lovey's tenure was was close to uh, coming up, and everybody sensed it, we knew that. Uh, Phil Emery was going to get rid of him, you know, even after a 10 win season, which, you know, was really hard to digest. My brother was like, but it was seven and one. Yes. Yes. It's true. Um, uh, My brother was like, you got to fire this fucker. You got to fire. And he's a Steelers fan. But I I kept telling them, I I agree that he has failed, but man, it's going to be so much harder to find somebody you're, you're comfortable with unless you're going to, sign a coach, go after a coach who has had a lot of experience winning. And I, at the time I didn't see who was out there who could, who could replace Lovey and I would feel comfortable with. So I kept telling him, be, be careful what you wish for. And lo and behold, we get more Tressman. It's kind of the same thing with Robbie gold. At the time Robbie got cut. I understood yeah. why, because mm-hmm. he had missed so many kicks and 13 not so much a 14, but 13, 15, and then that preseason. Plus, he had a big mouth, and he had a big contract. Mm-hmm. But one of those things is be careful what you wish for, as you said, because once you cut Robbie, suddenly, although he, it was warranted at the time, because uh, even Robbie himself has admitted he lost his confidence at the time or lost his mojo or whatever. He said that that motivation that came from being released is kind of like what reinvigorated him. But to your point with Lovey, with Robbie and Lovey, be careful what you wish for because it can put you in a tailspin even if those moves needed to be made because they didn't make the right replacements. Mm-hmm. And it took the Bears until 
2020 to get a kicker. And Robbie got cut in the 2016 preseason. Mm -hmm. I mean, Eddie Pinheiro was okay in 19, I guess. But And it took the Bears, God. I, I, you have to give Nagy some credit. He was coach of the year in 18, although it makes me vomit saying that. But yeah, Fox and Tressman were failures. And I'll dare I say Nagy was even bigger of a failure than those two guys. And by the way, the Miami Dolphins' new head coach looks like he would be Tressman's offspring. <laughs> You know, one other thing about the 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 Bears there, I was thinking about with Lovey. I I dare I say I would have fired Lovey after '09, because after after '08 it was you know they had a win and end situation in Week 17, ironically at Houston, mm -hmm. the Texans, mm -hmm. and they lost. Kyle Orton played shitty, so it was like okay, your quarterback's your fault, your defense is okay. So they trade for Jay, mm -hmm. and what happens? They go seven and nine. Lovey's defense, Lovey was calling the plays that year on defense as well, and they're getting blown out. They got blown out three or four times. He's lucky he survived 09 from my perspective. Mm -hmm. But I'm glad he did because in 2010, you know, he almost got to the Super Bowl. I still think had Jay not gotten uh, hurt, he would have gone to the Super Bowl. Yeah. You agree with 4,000 Clovers who says he's a great defensive coordinator, not a head coach. He goes on to compliment and says he wishes him well, but he basically says he's a tale of mediocrity in that department as a head coach. You agree with uh, 4,000 Clovers? I think that's a little bit harsh. I think if <laughs> Lovey had, God, if he'd have had like Mark Tressman, mm -hmm. you know, or, or somebody like that, uh, an offensive guru, like in a real sense, not a Matt Nagy sense, mm -hmm. calling plays. Again, if he hires Tressman instead of Mike Martz, and Tressman interviewed, Mm -hmm. Tressman interviewed if they hire him instead of Mike Martz, whom again, I love the 99 Rams, mm -hmm. you know, they're coached by Dick Vermeil, but March is the offensive coordinator. And we can look at them even now because they were four and 12 in 1998. And then the next year they won the Super Bowl. Mm -hmm. So between that and the Bengals, now you look at it and say, well, they were what four and 12, two years ago, mm -hmm. here they are in the cusp the precipice of potentially winning a Super Bowl. So we'd like to see that kind of turnaround. But be that as it may, had they not hired March, maybe Lovey's still here because maybe they'd go to the Super Bowl and win that year. Pittsburgh was beatable as Green Bay proved that in 45. And man, I just, I guess you got to get your coordinators right. And I, he had Pat Hamilton here. You know, uh, he was Rex. He worked with Rex. He worked with Kyle. He worked with Jay. And now he's his OC, so they've got familiarity. I'm not a big Pat Hamilton fan, but maybe I'm being too harsh because he was like 20 years old or whatever when he was at the Bears, and maybe I'm judging him under that context and not whom he is now. But I wish Lovey success. I mean, he's got a lot of shit on his plate because of Watson being an alleged pervert. And what do you do? Do you trade him? Can you play him? For fuck's sake, you missed a whole year. Mm -hmm. How good can he be just taking a fucking year off and chilling? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, I got to tell you, Greg Gabriel is a huge, huge fan of Pep Hamilton. Just uh, always texting me about him. Not only that he's a great uh, co uh, coaching mind, but just a great, great guy. And so he was really hoping Pep would get an opportunity here in Chicago to uh, be the offensive coordinator, maybe even head coach, uh, but not to be. The Factor wants to know uh, if you, Dan Aguirre, get excited about the NFL draft. No, because I don't watch college football, uh, but I do care about what the Bears are doing. I'm the opposite of Ryan Pace in the sense Ryan was always saying he drafts for need. 
Mm-hmm. I know going in as a, a dumb fan, well, we need help with the offensive line. We need help in the secondary. So when I'm going to pr- probably at work during the whole draft, I'm going to be monitoring thinking, okay, I know we need help in the secondary and maybe a wide receiver and definitely offensive line help. So I'm thinking about positions and then that makes me happy. Plus I'll listen to you and, and uh, Danny Shemin and people like that when it comes to trying to get, you know, okay, who should we draft? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I listen to other people. I'm not an expert on that at all. But in my head, I'm thinking about positions that we need. Right. And that's what what I'm you know hoping for, you know. Well, and of course, the first way to address those positions of need is the if, is free agency, which will start in about six weeks, I believe. And uh, the Bears don't have tons of money. Well, you know, they got $40 million in cap space. There's just not a lot of uh, people signed. And so that money has got to be put to use to just replace guys or to re-sign guys that were starters. But that's going to be interesting to see if they can somehow work out a deal for maybe a, a, a big name wide receiver like Mike Williams from the Chargers. Or, you know, I was looking at the latest uh, medical information on Godwin. It looks like it, it's that's going to be an 8 to 12 month recovery from his his torn ACL. Would you sign a wide receiver like Godwin, who is probably in the top five in the NFL? Would you sign him knowing that he's he's not going to play in 2022, but you'd have him for three, four years after that? Probably not, because yeah. we're not of that luxury. If you're Kansas City, you know, mm-hmm. you can afford to do that because you've got so much other talent around you. Mm-hmm. But I don't think that the Bears can can do that. They need help for Mooney now. And, uh, I mean, I'm not saying that a player can't come. Allen Robinson proved that you can come off that injury and play. But like you said, Godwin may not. It doesn't look like he's going to play at all next season. Mm-hmm. He's got the Tariq Cohen kind of thing where he's going to miss the entire year. Yeah. So, it, you know, that's a thing, too. Well, the Bears, uh, I hope that Cohen, wherever he plays, is is you know able to go and, and healthy and hasn't lost all of his speed. But maybe it's here. Maybe they have to cut him. Maybe they can rework his deal. Same thing with Mac. I know he's got the huge cap number, and I'd like to see him stay. Is there some way that uh, Khalil would do something to help the team because his cap number is just astronomical? He's if al- they could do something. He's already, you know. Uh, I know. That's what I'm saying. But where are you now, though? Yeah, I mean, it's it's the more dead cap money that you add, the tougher it is down the line, although – in 2023, that cap number is expected to explode because of a new TV contract. But, man, I really do hate to run a football team where you keep deferring these contracts year after year. You're, you get into a situation like the New Orleans Saints. I mean, they don't, they do not have Drew Brees on their roster, and they're like $80 million over the cap. No, no. Which is why Sean Payton just said, "Fuck it, exactly. <laughs> I'm going to the house." <laughs> exactly. Fuck this, man. This is like the Titanic. But he's pushing kids and women out of the way to get on a raft. Get on a raft and get the fuck out of. He's one of those guys who's <laughs> pretending to be a woman. <laughs> That's right. And jumping on like because they said women and children first, you know. Exactly. So I don't want the the Bears to get into that kind of situation. I like you know teams to build from the draft. And, and, you know, there is this narrative going on, well, the Rams have not built through through the draft, but that's not necessarily so. The Rams have traded away first-round draft picks, but uh, there's only been one team over the last six, seven, eight years 
that has had more draft picks than the Rams after the first round. The Rams have loaded up on second, third, fourth, fifth round draft picks. The, uh, I think it's the, the Jacksonville Jaguars are the only team that have had more draft picks. The Rams have done it well. They've invested in, in veterans who can help them win now. But Including have, Leonard Floyd. Yeah, exactly. That was a great, uh, great acquisition on their part. But they they still have uh, built through the draft. If you look at their roster, there's a lot of people that they have drafted from that roster. But you know they've been able to pick up guys like Odell Beckham and Leonard Floyd and so forth to really round out that roster and to get, get it into a Super Bowl sh- uh, shape. And then you got the Cincinnati Bengals going against the narrative too. They in with their number five overall pick, everyone expected them to draft the offensive lineman Penny Sewell who went who ended up going to Detroit but instead they didn't uh, uh pick a lineman to protect Joe Burrow they got him the best wide receiver in the draft Lamar Chase and the guy is playing like a superstar already headed to the Hall of Fame so there's a lot of different ways to build a winner and so hopefully Ryan Poles has his own formula but I do think that it's going to take a, a while there there's just I can't I can't phantom this team being a playoff team in 2022 Well let me give you some sunshine then please <laughs> I I could be wrong, and there are numerous times I said throughout uh, the 2021 season on this very mic that, man, it just feels so difficult for Fields just to complete a pass mm-hmm. in some of these games. It just feels like he's so lost out there, but he can't even make a completion. And if he does, you know, you've got Cole Komet dropping it. Um, but I still think he's immensely talented. Mm-hmm. And I think now that he's away from the bald fuck, and hopefully we'll have real coaching that he can be dynamic. And having said that, if you have a dynamic quarterback that can stay healthy mm-hmm. with a good arm and enormous athleticism, that makes everybody else better mm-hmm. in theory. Mm-hmm. So it feels, I think we have to build around him. He has to be the conductor. And, you know, as, as if Fields plays well, the Bears will be in good shape. Especially if you consider there's the opportunity that Aaron Rodgers moves on. Not a not a certainty. Nothing's ever certain with that fucker. Mm-hmm. But if for some reason it's Jordan Love and it's not Jim Harbaugh leading Minnesota, it's uh, fuck, who knows, dude? I saw the coach's name. I was like, who? I don't know. Um, the Rams defensive coordinator, I, I don't know who he is. But so you got the Vikings with uh, just a guy in his first chance as coach with the, the huge cat pit with cousins and maybe Jordan love and, you know, Jared Goff. I mean, why couldn't the bears steal that division? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're right. I mean, it, it, it's, it's one of those things though. Is it going to really be a good team? You know, like when the open, I say they won, but I'm going to feel like shit all week long. And it's, it's going to be, they're going to win the division by default, you know, no. Aaron so Rogers. what you stack some playoff appearances together and, and that leads, that leads you right where you need to be. And that's good. But I just don't, I don't want to get into the same fucking thing that we've been doing for the last several years, which is we, we are indecisive about whether we are rebuilding and, and, and building a team for long sustainability uh, win, to win for a, lo- a lot of years, or are we just trying to patch things up so that we can get into the playoffs this year? 
you know, and that's not the way to build a, a football team. You want to build a football team. In fact, you'll hear Dave wants that one of our favorite coaches, yours and mine talk right. about how he thinks the bears should totally rebuild the defense, rebuild it. So that way now you've got an up and coming young offense. And now you will also have an up and coming defense at the same time, as opposed to it being out of phase. I've so been does that mean this, you trade Mac and Quinn? He probably is uh, suggesting that you look into the possibility of, of, of trading those players and taking that monumental cap hit, but you're acquiring picks and other younger players via free agency so that it is all synchronized. You've got a great young team gelling together, offense, defense, and special teams at the same time, as opposed to what Jerry Angelo did, as opposed to what Mark Emery tried to do, as opposed to what Ryan Pace tried to do, which is just patch holes and see if we can get into the fucking playoffs that's no way to build a team you got to have a vision you got to say i want to build a team that does this 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 and this and we're going to do it all at the same time not you know hope that some you know we get lucky and, and it happens that's not the way to do it man well i'm just even be that as it may <laughs> uh if they end up making the trades on defense which i'm not sure is the way i would go but you know wani knows more about football than i'll ever know so if, if they make those trades, I still think you've got fields and maybe he can lead the way. And maybe you're just not, you know, guaranteeing defeat. Mm -hmm. I don't I don't see it that way. Mm -hmm. uh, but, you know, I mean, like I said, if we were the Bengals heading into the same this season here, we'd probably be all oh, they need to. Like you said, they need to draft the lineman. They need to protect Burrow. And hell, he was sacked nine times against the Titans in, in the playoffs. So. Uh, but they they were aggressive. They took the wide receiver, and and they're not supposed to be here. And here they are. I, I think they're what four and a half point uh, underdogs at this juncture. Yep. But but you know they did the John Madden football simulation, and Madden's game says they're going to win. Really? And you know that? Yeah. Uh, with Burrow leading a drive at the end. By the way, Eugene in the chat room says Matt Eberflus is the John Fox of this era. He's just here to change the culture. No, uh, I hope that's not true. I hope at not. least he has a name. If you were like <laughs> saying it at the stadium, mm -hmm. like the Chicago Bears and Matt Eberflus, it 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 sounds okay versus like uh, and Matt Nagy. You know, <laughs> even his name is lackluster. You know, <laughs> yeah, I agree with that. <laughs> Everything about him is that's your face of mediocrity, not lovey. It's uh, Matt Nagy. Yep. All right, let's let's play this. Uh, media bite stuff it's about it's not nearly as long as the last few weeks it's about 15 minutes we're gonna hear not only from the sh local chicago radio stations but also i grabbed a couple of sound sound bites from uh frank wright the head coach of the colts who met with the chicago media he was nice enough to devote 15 minutes to talk to chicago media about uh, Ibru Flus and Williams, uh, the new defensive coordinator for the Chicago Bears. I've got um, uh, uh, Hogue and, and Cap talking on on that show. Tony Dungy is on. He's talking. He's going to talk about the cover two and how the Chicago Bears and Matt Eberflus's version of the co cover two is going to work. So there's a hodgepodge of stuff here. Uh, I'll play it now. Uh, now it's as good as ever, right, Mr. Aguirre? Yeah, that's fine. Yeah. All right. Here we go. 
overcome, but could you describe his coaching style a little bit? Oh, I can promise you he can get angry and emotional and <laughs> in, in the best of ways. Um, I think his coaching style is uh, his match coaching style is he's very intentional about every move um, that there's clear standards. There's a clear process um, and there's a clear vision um, for what it's going to take. And so, um, you know, as far as he's not a big yeller and screamer, but he has an intensity, you know, you, you get around floose, feel the intensity. You, um, he can get emotional. He'll, um, and he'll verbalize that, but it's, it's not necessarily, um, always screaming and yelling, although he can raise his voice, he can get after guys, not afraid to get after guys, but I think he, he does it in the right manner. Um, it was a, it was a style that I thought fit, um, you know, what we were trying to do here in his own unique way. Uh, I thought Matt is just a great leader and has great style in that regard. It's the difference between what Matt Eberflus for us, for us naive people or layman's. What's the difference with how Matt Eberflus runs his Tampa two compared to Tampa two's perhaps in the past? Well, I don't think they play as much cover two as we did in the past. Cover two was kind of our base defense. It's it's a compliment for them, but the the uh, how do I want to put the philosophy is that you play zone coverage. You have a lot of fast guys. You have maximum effort and energy. You don't do a lot of things. You get a lot of people to the ball. All of those precepts uh, Matt Eberflus believes in and preaches. And that's, to me, that's the essence of Tampa, too. It's not necessarily the coverage of too deep zone, but it's how you do it and how you play. And when you watch them play in Indianapolis and you watch Darius Leonard, um, it's like watching Derek Brooks because it's the same thing. It's high energy. It's flying to the football. And when I watched um, um, all their, their defensive linemen pursue and run and chase, I, I thought to myself, yeah, this, this, this is us. This is what we did. You've also had four years with, with Alan Williams there, and, and, and Fluce mentioned yesterday his relationship with him. What, what has left an impression on you about Alan as a coach and, and how his skills would translate to a, a coordinator role? Alan has really good command of the whole picture. Alan is a, is a, is a fast on his feet as a thinker, you know, listening, you know, being on the headset and hearing Floos call the defenses and interact with the defensive staff, um, hearing Alan's input, hearing the dialogue between he and Floos, how dynamic it was, how much Floos trusted him, you know, over those four years, seeing that relationship develop, um, you know, I, I just think Alan, Alan has great energy on the field. I think, you know, watching Alan run, run drills on the field, he's got good energy, good body language. He's got a good positive vibe to him, can connect. So um, Alan's, Alan's an excellent football coach. Okay, how about the special teams coordinator, Richard Hightower, coming in? Uh, his staff, I think his group ranked in the mid-20s in special teams play. Yes, they had a good game against Green Bay in the playoffs. More than a little concern that Rich Bisaccia went, yeah, I'll go to Green Bay. Yeah, everyone had a good game against the Packers this year. So, um, yeah, special teams wise, at least. You know, my, my bigger concern with this is I think that there was a way to keep Chris Tabor. And I don't think that they um, 
showed enough aggression in wanting to do that right away. And that put Chris Tabor in a position where he had to go out and do what's best for him and make sure he had a job. Um, and so he goes to the Carolina Panthers. And I, and I think that, that to me, that's the, the bigger concern I have over this whole thing. You know, Richard Hightower is a, a name who's um, he, he's I, sometimes I hesitate to um, pay attention too much to just special teams rankings because there's just so much more context that goes into that. Uh, and typically now the 49ers are a good team. So if you pointed me to some special teams unit, that was, I don't know, like the Jacksonville Jaguars. Well, yeah, the depth on those teams is not as good. So the te- special teams units aren't going to be as good. Um, I-, I just think that this is a higher, like a lot of other spots cap on this staff where it's like, all right, you're going to have to prove it. Like, And that's sort of what Matt Eberflus is too. I, it, there's not a whole lot of uh, excitement or anybody that blows you away except maybe Luke Getze as the offensive coordinator. Um, and so I, I just think this entire staff, and Richard Hightower included, is going to have to prove it. When you look at the personnel with the Bears on the defensive side of the ball, how long of a process is it changing and getting the right personnel in place to turn this into the defense that Matt Eberflus wants to run? You know what I would do, and this is just my opinion, and I have no idea what they're thinking. Your offense is a young offense. It's going to take a year or two to get this thing going with Justin Fields, in my mind. I, it's going to, It could happen quicker than we think if Aaron Rodgers leaves and the Vikings turnover. So it could happen faster. That's not what I'm saying. I don't want all the listeners to get worked up here that it, it could happen this year. But I think offensively, you got good young players in that offensive line and tight end and on and on and on. Here, you got to be careful on defense because the, the, the human nature says, let's hang in there with some of these older players on defense. And I'll tell you what, it, it will help, maybe help you next year. But then the following year or two, I mean, it's going to be contracts and injuries and age. And you don't want to be redoing the defense, rebuilding the defense when your offense is hitting its stride. You'd like to have both kind of hitting that hitting that uh, full speed uh, pace at the same time. So I would kind of go young on defense. I mean, if I had to make a decision next year and and I'm running the show there and we got a older veteran guy and a, and a young guy and it's close, I'm going to go with the younger guy a hundred percent because I'm going to think I want my team all being at the same level all at the same time. If we're going to win a Super Bowl. That's that's how I would approach it. Gets he'll get it right, but I do worry about him more than the other two. Let's put it that way. I agree with you. Luke Getze is the, has my most concern because you know what? The, all the time that he spent in the, with the Green Bay, he's never had a quarterback walk to the sideline confused. It's never you're going to have to answer questions for Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers is going to tell you the issues, the problems, and the concern on the field. Here, when you have a second-year quarterback like Justin Fields and now you're explaining an entirely new system to him with new terminology and new philosophical thinking during the course of the cadence, there's going to be a lot of back and forth on the sidelines that you're going to have to correct some mistakes and thinking processes from the beginning of OTAs till the end of the season. So I do have concerns because of... You know, obviously how much the quarterback position affects the overall performance of the offense. And like you said, with Williams, you got you got Eberflus right by your side. He can help you make any corrections. He's going to help you formulate a plan. He could be like the 
Eric Bieniemy, uh, Andy Reid over in Kansas City, where you know you could call Bieniemy the offensive coordinator, but is Andy Reid really calling the plays behind the scene? And then with Richard Hightower, the guy's got experience. He understands what it takes. He's been to the playoffs. He understands uh, the role of the special teams and how it can affect the outcome of a game. Uh, like Dustin said, that's what he wants to see next year. But did Daz Newsom show you enough at the end of the season that he's going to be the punt returner going into the season? I admired his courage. He he was into some difficult circumstances in Seattle and such. But then, you know, Jakeem Grant, he's a free agent. Is he yeah. the type of guy that you're going to pay to come back to be your kick off? You know, your kick returner and. That's one of the things that I've always appreciated about Chris Tabor is he allowed returners to be returners. They weren't so restricted that if the ball falls six yards, four yards deep in the end zone, you have no right to take it out. So, you know, you're going to have to have some of that go between, be decided, and see the type of freedom that he'll give these returners. Fields there, Bill. What is your impression of Justin Fields, and how, how important was it to cover ground and making Justin Fields successful in these interviews? Oh, very important. Very important. The quarterback's the most important guy on the field because he touches the ball every play. And so you look at, at, at what Justin has going for him, which is a, a remarkable arm, uh, great mobility, uh, good size, good ability to run the ball, a highly combative guy, I mean, all, all you got to do is watch him run and do that pop-up slide. I mean, we, first thing we got to do is the quarterback coach has got to do is teach him a, teach him a hook slide. <laughs> I don't want him to get hit in the head any longer. Uh, but 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 he's competitive and combative, and all those things are great. All those things are great. So uh, what what he needs to do is is to learn his craft, to learn what the pro game is all about. He didn't have a chance to do that last year. He was thrust into a complex offense that he had no experience with under center where he had had no experience at Ohio state. He wasn't ready to play and, and it showed. Um, but, uh, there's a lot to work with there and, and both Ryan and Flus are, are committed to uh, doing what they, everything they can to make him successful because if he's successful, the Bears will be right. successful. Uh, Bill, I know you probably didn't get a chance to go through the entire roster, but you know what you're looking at, even if you look at it for a short period of time. When you look at this team, and also knowing that coaches and general managers, the competitive gene is there and everyone wants to win immediately. How close, in your opinion, is this team to being a true contender? Or are they closer to being a team that needs to be rebuilt in a lot of ways? I think it's right in between, and I did go through the roster. I went when George... Uh, asked me to take on the project. I got right to the film and, and, and went through the roster in depth. Um, there's a lot of work to be done. Uh, the general consensus with everybody we talk to is, is that the Bears have somewhere between six and eight real blue chippers on this team. That's not enough. You need, you need 10 to 12 to really be in the hunt. So Ryan's got a, a task in front of him to add those kinds of players. And uh, I'll let him and Flus talk about where and, 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 and how, but that, that's, there's no question about that. So that means it's not going to happen overnight. Also, Justin has a lot of work to do to develop into a first-rate NFL quarterback. It takes four years for a rookie quarterback to come in and learn the job 
and be able to compete at the highest level in the NFL. That's just a fact. It took Peyton Manning four years, and he had uh, more tools going for him than most people. Uh, it's, it, it takes every one of them four years before they, they, they really become uh, adept at it. Joe Burrow is the exception, but but that's, you know, that's the exception that proves the rule. And Joe Burrow is 25 years old, too. So he's he's had a lot of time to learn football, although he didn't play a lot at Ohio State. So the bottom line is that there's, there, there's talent here, particularly at the quarterback position. Growth is needed. Development is needed. And additional personnel is needed. So that's not going to happen overnight. Is it going to take five years? I don't think so. Not 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 with this regime. I think we'll be competitive. Um, I, I keep saying we because I was honored to be part of the team. Sure. I think we'll be competitive um, more sooner than later, but it's going to take some time. See, we'll see what Ryan Poles prioritizes. Offensive line. Oh, dude. We'll see. see. You and I didn't have a chance to talk about this because he gave it to Brad Biggs and yeah. Friday's trip. Did he I get read a chance? it. You read it? I read it. He, he would have, because you've been putting it out there, the Panay Sewell versus Jamar Chase conundrum yep. from the number five pick last year in the yeah. draft. He basically said he thought that the Bengals screwed it up yep. by taking the wide out instead. Yep. But now he's able to admit that maybe he was wrong. Yeah, I like that he's admitting he was wrong. I like that he's admitting that he was wrong, too. I think that the league is going in a direction where I continue to be. You, everyone makes fun of me. You don't like blocking. You don't like running the football. You're so new school. You see who all these coaches are being hired? Like, the Bears are zigging when the rest of the league is zagging. Oh, big time. Like, it doesn't mean this won't work. But that's in play. <laughs> it, it's in play that it works. It's in play that it doesn't work. But yeah. Oh, oh, yeah, man. Yeah. Like they, they are. So now the Texans have you. Let's put it this way. The Bears are closer to how the Texans went about this than every other team who's filled a vacancy this offseason. Seven um, <laughs> NFC playoff teams. Great. Seven uh, playoff teams in the NFC all had offensive head coaches. All four teams in the conference championships had offensive head coaches. Yeah. Of the seven head coaching hires before Lovey Smith. So now it's eight. Six of them are offensive head coaches. You and people are, well, it's just, all that matters is culture and leader of men and motivator. You're saying that because Matt Nagy didn't work. That's the only reason that's the prevailing sentiment around here. It's because Matt Nagy didn't work, which is why the minute they fired Matt Nagy, I said, I was wrong about Matt Nagy. But you liked the process. But I liked the process, and if they did it all over again the same way, I would support it. Yeah, which, which, what you want is that profile who's also a good leader of men and is not uh, pig-headed and laden with Hungarian stubbornness. Of course, you Ugh. want flexibility. Dan, are you more or less optimistic about the 2022 season after hearing those sound bites of people questioning the coaching staff and wondering if the approach the Bears took in hiring a head coach, hiring a defensive head coach, is better than what every other team is doing, hiring offensive coaches. The Texans and the Bears are the only teams that hired a defensive-minded uh, head coach. What do you think? And first off, I don't know if you saw, I sent you a link. Oh, missed it. About the uh, lovey hire, uh-huh. Mr. Flores uh, is basically alleging that 
he should have gotten the job and he would have, but he didn't because of the lawsuit. <laughs> now you're getting into a lot of territory. I'll answer your question too. Uh, but I just wanted to, about last week, I don't think any of us here were sympathizing with Bill Belichick. Let me say that when we are talking about Brian Flores outing their text messages, my point on that was to say that Belichick is the established poster boy, front man, coach of the National Football League. And by, you know, exposing those text messages, you're fucking yourself, man. I'm not saying that out of empathy for Belichick as much as to say that Brian Flores is Brian Flores is fucking Brian Flores. Whether he is it uh, is completely right here in this instance, that's a different discussion. But and then saying like Lovey is an illegitimate hire. I mean, you're really making yourself into the bad guy now. But I digress off that point. It's a good. It's a good, it's a good point. Uh, you know, let's talk about that a little later. But yeah, please go ahead. <clears throat> I was just going to try to answer your question. Uh, no, the last segment there, the guys from the score. Yeah, I just disagree with them. Uh, you know, Iberflus, yeah, so he's got a defensive background, but unless everybody's lying, and I, I'd like to think they're not, this is general manager you hired, pick this guy. That it is wasn't correct. like that is correct. George, Mc oh. yeah, it wasn't like George McCaskey said, you have to have this guy. Mm -hmm. This mm -hmm. was his pick. Mm -hmm. And having said that, all right, let's win. Mm -hmm. I like the, the stuff he said. A lot of it's a little cliche. Um, but it doesn't bother me necessarily that he's from a defensive background. He's already took the step to say, Hey, I'm not calling the defense. I'm the head coach. I like that, you know, and I, that goes back to earlier in the segment. I think it was Tom Thayer mm -hmm. that was talking about, or was it, it was either Tom Thayer or Bill Polian. One of them was talking about, Fields' development. Oh, yeah, it was Polly, and he said Pullian. that Fields wasn't ready, wasn't ready to play last year. How do we know that that's true? <laughs> I, I I honestly believe this was all on Matt Nagy. I mean, see Mitchell Trubisky. Well, he wasn't ready because Matt Nagy didn't help him get ready. You, right, you, that's what I'm saying. I mean, right. if, a, if he'd have gone to a different situation with a different coach, he could have been ready. He could have He been, had one right. huge detriment in Chicago to his development in year one. It wasn't Fields' own fault. Mm -hmm. I think it's Matt Nagy 100%. I think he was the, uh, the tumor that you removed, and he wasn't benign. This was going to be years and years of radiation, but you got a break and it's gone. And, mm -hmm. and maybe that's too strong of a metaphor, but this fucking guy was horrible. Mm -hmm. And I think you've got a coach. Uh, I don't know about the guy from Green Bay, but – I guess it is a fair point to say that Rodgers, you know, didn't need him per se, but at least he comes from that background of a lot of success. You know, I mean, he's had, they've had a lot of success on offense up there. There's no way to take that away from the Packers. So maybe he can bring that, I hate to use the word culture, at least that winning tradition and uh, ability to score and ability to convert on third and fourth down constantly here to the bears. Mm -hmm. You know, I think that that's plausible. I, I I'm not, you know, going to sit around and just play the company man here. I, I feel optimistic because Matt Nagy's gone. 
That's the bottom line. And these guys can't be any worse than him. I, I absolutely believe that to be true. Um, I want to address uh, uh, some comments from uh, Christian Mercado. Mercado, you know, there's a um, there's a guy named Walter Mercado who has been seen on Spanish-speaking TV for years and years. I wonder if Christian is related to him. Anyway, um, Christian has been saying, shit, this team went to the playoffs twice with Nagy, who sabotaged Mitch while Mitch was the only one who had any success with this shitty offense. So imagine with real coaching. And Christian, I agree 100% with that. But Christian is also saying that he thinks this team can win 10, 11 games this season. I think you're going out on the limb there without even knowing who is going to be blocking for Justin Fields. Who is going to be throwing the ball? Who is uh, uh, Fields going to be throwing the ball? Only Darnell Mooney is signed. Who Who is going to be uh, replacing Jimmy Graham? Who's going to be the second and third tight ends? Because they're not signed. They're not on the roster. And the same thing goes for other very important positions in the defense. We can all be fucking optimistic up the ass, but we it's premature. It's like fucking sticking your dick in and coming right away. Don't. Take the dick out. <laughs> Take your dick out. Do I had water in my mouth. I almost spit it out. <laughs> Do some more foreplay because the foreplay is happening now with free agency signing and the draft. We have to see what this roster is going to look like. And it's like Bill Polian said, there's only four, five, six blue chippers on the squad right now. We have got to add another six, seven blue chippers. And then you have a team that can legitimately contend for a Super Bowl because I don't want a fucking team that's just going to be competitive in the NFC North, one of the worst divisions in the NFL. I want a fucking team that's going to get into the playoffs and people are saying, we don't want to go to Chicago to play those guys. No fucking way. And I, and I fucking hate the, the idea that Fields is going to come into our fast turf and, and with that offense, that's going to take a couple of seasons of building a roster that's going to do that. Now, can this team go out there and win some games, eight, nine games, maybe even 10 games this season with a lot of luck? Yes, it's possible. But I, I, I think that we just have to take it easy right now with our optimism and our pessimism. Anybody that says Justin Fields is a bust, fuck him. That, that, that person doesn't know shit about what's going on with the Chicago Bears. Justin Fields has as much chance of being a great quarterback in this league as anyone that was drafted in round one of this past season and round one this season. This season, Foster Covers asks uh, Aldo and Dan, who are the blue chippers on this roster? Dan, who's who's a blue chipper on the Chicago Bears roster right now? Well, you'd have to say Fields. Yeah, I agree. And Roquan Smith. Definitely. Uh, David Montgomery, Khalil Mack, right? I, I don't know. Max in his thirties. I don't know if he would count as a blue chipper at this point. When I think blue chip, I think young guys you know, in your in your prime, still young, mm -hmm. on the upside. Mm -hmm. So I would say Montgomery and Roquan and Fields, maybe Darnell Mooney. Ah mm -hmm. uh, man. I don't know. There are a couple other guys that could be something. Yeah, I like, see, like our I, linemen that we drafted. I, I think, I think that's the answer right there. Is it, when it becomes difficult to answer that question, who are the blue chippers? You know, this fucking roster needs help. Let me. I don't let, think Jalen Johnson is. I really don't. 
I I think he can be. I think he can be. I mean, there's no doubt that that he suffered from apathy uh, towards the end of the season and started making some boneheaded plays. But the the point here is is that Ryan Pace left a fucking mess, and I was. For the last six, eight weeks of the season, I was preaching, you got to fire this fucking guy because he has screwed up this team, number one, by hiring Matt Nagy, and number two, with what he has done to this roster. You just cannot go into the uh, the 2022 season with a fucking Ryan Pace giving him a third chance to rebuild this team. He is a loser. Ryan Pace is a fucking loser. I want to make that really, really clear. And... I wish him luck. I wish him and his family the very best. I hope that he has learned from his mistakes here in Chicago and that wherever he goes, he's able to build off his his mistakes. But what I saw him do here in Chicago was very, very disappointing. And the whole idea that anyone would, would, would entertain the thought of bringing him back as the GM to deal with the fucking mess that he left. No, you need new eyes you new you need new decision makers you need a whole new regime to come in here and take a look at this mess and say okay how do we start cleaning this garbage out and the good news is we do have all of that yes we we have a new general manager we have a new coach we have a new philosophy literally going back to a four three mm-hmm. hopefully we won't be playing kansas city light offense i mean i don't know what their their goal is but I mean, God damn it. Fourth and goal at the half yard line and you're in a shotgun. No wonder Dalton was sacked. It's just God. And then they did it again later in the game that that last Minnesota game is just like the microcosm of his entire tenure with the bears. I'm just so glad he's gone. You know, another thing quickly, uh, I think again, it was Tom Thayer and he knows more again about football that I'll ever know, but I think Chris Tabor is a little overloved. I agree with you. He had one good season last season. But it wasn't even him. It was he had, you know, Grant, Jakeem Grant, and then before that, Cordero Patterson. Mm-hmm. He was talking about, oh, he gave them the the green light, and a lot of coaches wouldn't do that. I think that was just those were those two players. They play electric and aggressive. And I think, I mean, I think you Tabor put other guys get, back there, they weren't doing that. I think Tabor should get credit for, for some of that philosophical stuff. But what I saw Patterson's been good everywhere. He's gone though. That's he's for sure. The same way. I mean, if you're going to build a hall of famer for punt and kickoff return guys, then there's at least a multiple, there's multiple bears in there. Devin Hester, uh, Cordell, Cordero Patterson, Gail Sayers, to name three, Cecil Turner. I don't know if you remember Cecil Turner. That I it's don't. Be- it's before your time, but uh, with your encyclopedic knowledge of the Bears, uh, I'm going to send you some stuff on Cecil Turner. I think you'll be super impressed by by him. And there were well, I still other- say Mr. Underrated is Dennis Gentry. Oh, absolutely. Good old number 29. Man, he was so good and explosive. It can go at any time. Mm-hmm. Yep. Totally agree with you. I, I just, I feel like Tabor. Willie Galt. You know, I was so critical of Tabor every season he was here. And then last season, I was like, man, I'm finding it hard to criticize this guy. It's, things seem to be working. Now, he did have players, like you said, that were helping him when Grant came in because there was a huge fucking problem with the, with, with the return team until uh, Grant was traded for. But uh, again, this isn't Ryan uh, Pace 
a fucking mistake. You trade around, trade away a six round draft pick for a guy who's a free agent, and so now you have nothing to show for it. <laughs> you didn't have you didn't have a playoff uh, appearance because Grant helped you get there. Now he's a free agent; he can sign wherever, and you just lost a, a six round. That this this approach that Ryan Pace took, it was. It was based on win now at all costs because I have to impress George and Virginia, you know, because they like me like a son. So I got to do good. That was his How approach. How awful was Ted Ginn, though, with under Chris oh, Tabor? My goodness. Well, Ted Ginn was like another Ryan Pace mistake. Why the fuck did you guy bring this guy here? You know, especially, you know, because Ted Ginn did have some – offense left in him based on his previous season's results. Yeah, he had played well everywhere he had been right. until he, he, his career came to die with the Bears. Right. I, it's just a mess. Let, let's not look back anymore. Let's look forward. No, but I was, I was just saying, though, for every success on special teams, Cordero Patterson, there's also the Ted Ginn. Mm -hmm. And I still think Patterson is the reason he was successful, not Chris Tabor. And maybe ja Jakeem Grant as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I you know, I agree. I mean, and and that's the thing. I think Bill Polian said in the uh in the media bites, it's 80% players and 20% coaches. And I, I don't know if I included that one in, in the media bites, but that's that's absolutely fucking true. It you need great players. And so if Ibraflus is going to be a good head coach, he's gonna be a candidate for coach of the year in 2022, it's gonna be because Scott Poles. Excuse me, Ryan Poles. I don't know why I call him Scott Poles. I think it's because I'm, I think of Scott uh, Polio, who worked with Ryan Poles. Anyway, it's going to be because Ryan Poles got him some incredible talent. He just found guys in the third round, sound free agents that he got at a deal, prove it deals, whatever the fuck it is. He found him with super talented players because it's just this roster is depleted, man. It is fucking depleted with the exception of a few players here and there. This roster sucks, man. One guy we should mention when you're talking about earlier, I, I almost interrupted when you're talking about tight ends, we still have Horstead. Like I still think Horstead could be a good number two or three tight end. And, He's going to be the answer to a trivia question. He's the one who caught Fields' first touchdown pass. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, you know, um, uh, uh, Alyssa Barbieri gave Horstead a grade of B+. She did a, a column for uh, BearsWire.com, and I thought, oh, Alyssa, I think that's a little too high. You, know, you only caught like four or five uh, passes. But I, I see what she meant in her paragraph that she wrote. This guy has talent. This guy has talent. Why the fuck was he wasn't he on the field he should have had every one of jimmy graham's snaps jimmy graham should have been he should not have been resigned but even after he had an injury plagued uh, camp and so forth or early part of the season they should have released them say jimmy go try to hook up with the team that can get you a ring goodbye i want to give Je jessica horstead all your snaps. especially in, comp in comparison with kyle fuller you may have been on the cap fuller if you would have caught graham mm-hmm because they essentially had the same, uh, close to the same number. Yep, exactly, exactly. I, and maybe is Kyle available? I mean, maybe Kyle, that's a stopgap. Kyle is a free agent. Yes, that's I, what I thought. Maybe sure. you bring him back, and yeah, I know he, he didn't play well in Denver, but 
I'll tell I mean, you one he's thing. still only like 30, so he, he can't just be done that quickly. I'll tell you one thing. That defense, that cover two scheme is perfect for Kyle Fuller. He's much, much better. If you remember back to Kyle Fuller, when they were playing that zone defense, that fucker could read what was going on, and he was getting his hands on passes. He came up with a couple of interceptions and stuff. Uh, and then Vic Fangio started throwing some weird shit at him, and it took him a while to to learn it and stuff. But I, I think Kyle Fuller might – he could probably reclaim his career here. But I do think that – I have a feeling, and I don't know – I don't have any anything to base this on. Um, but I have a feeling that Poles is going to look at anyone that has had previous uh, uh, association with the Chicago Bears, player or coach, and say, nah, we'll, we'll look over. So I want to do this my way. Yeah, I'll probably I, bring in Colts and Chiefs players. Yeah, there, there's going to be a lot of that. And so um, here's something that I want to do, and I know, I know you're not going to object to this. It is bring in our buddy. Johnny Santucci. Johnny Santucci. Como estas? That's Spanish. He speaks Italian. Before you bring in Tucci, are we bringing in the retro movies guy too? What retro movies guy? I thought I saw him tweet that he was coming on tonight. Did I I misread that all together? If you did, I fucked up because I don't know. John, you know, a retro, uh, yeah, uh, yeah, it was a retro and movies or something, yeah, retro TV and movies. Uh, I thought he was coming on tonight. That's news to me. Now, I I forget shit like I forgot my wife's birthday the other day, so (laughs) (laughs) all he says, I will join Aldo and Dan when I get to work. Usually at the tail end, I, he means listen. I thought oh, you meant, okay. Yeah, we'd love to I have him on the show. Getting brought in, I was like, okay, cool. I want to do a Dan and Aldo bear their souls show, bear their souls show where we have tons of our listeners come in like rapid fire. He, Ten minutes, guys, talk all you want, and then we're gonna bring in more people. And so we got to plan that for the near future. Um, maybe you're, you know, around draft time. Cause that'll give us a lot of topics to talk about. Anyway, Johnny Santucci is here. <laughs> Retro 80s porn. Guy. Hello. <laughs> Hello, man. <laughs> How are you, Tooch? I'm doing all right. I, uh, uh, you know, reacting to this Lovey Smith and Bill Polian stuff and, uh, whatnot. Are, are, are we ready to do a little, uh, uh, bear state of affairs? Oh yeah. That's when the elbow's coming. <laughs> All right, let's get let's get it on. Here we are, Bill Polian, you know, giving us the uh the low down bears roster. There's not much there, although <laughs> <laughs> Not much there, according to old Bill. <laughs> you know, I uh, Bill Polian rolled through Des Moines, so you know, I I, I, tr- I chased him down. I tried to get an interview with him. Like, I, all I could get was this picture, Aldo. <laughs> He's got the Crypt Master. <laughs> you mean the Crypt Keeper? That's him. <laughs> Yeah, that's that's Bill Polian. You know what? He did sound pretty good for a ninety-year-old crypt, crypt keeper, or whatever the fuck his name is. <laughs> he sounded after, a uh, I took, after I took after I took that picture, he disintegrated. 
<laughs> I need to get some sound effects when Tube comes on. <laughs> Give me that symbol swell. <laughs> uh, all right. Yeah. Love you, Smith, down in uh down in Houston. My question is, man, as the NFL passed him by. I mean, when when was the last time, Danny, he was a, a head coach? Uh, he was in Tampa what 14 and 15 or was it 13 and 14 mm-hmm. i think it was 14 and 15 and then they said ah we like this dirk guy and he's gonna go so we might as well just fire lovey and keep dirk and then the dirk guy was a failure too so oops yeah i uh dirk I'm not sure. I love trying to find my- oops sorry <laughs> is is pep hamilton gonna be his offensive coordinator because that you know that would be a good move yeah, I think he yeah, got a that... promotion, assistant head coach, uh, offensive coordinator. I think Pep got 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 uh, what he probably deserves, at least according to Greg Gabriel. So I mean that. that be yeah, but according to Jay Cutler, Hamilton's a, a fucking jobber, though. Yeah, what is that? What is it? <laughs> Jay hates Pep for some reason. Do you know why, I, uh, guys? Jay hates everybody, doesn't he? <laughs> That's that is true. <laughs> <laughs> There's not many people he got along with, you know. <laughs> Shit, he yeah. I, I mean, uh, the only person he got along with was Brandon Marshall. <laughs> no, no, no. He liked a couple of guys on offense. Uh, his coaches. What was the guy's name that he wanted in for so many years, and then they finally brought him in 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 2012, and then Lovey got fired. Uh, what God? What was that guy's name? Uh, he worked with him in Denver. Oh, uh, Adam Gase. No, 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 not Gase. Gase came with uh, oh, yeah, yeah, John right, Fox. Right, right. Who was that? You're saying before uh, Mike Martz? Yeah, he took over. because Dow Loggins? No, no, no. Before that, uh, you had Mike Martz, and then uh, you had, uh, fuck, Mike Tice as your OC, but. He got into big arguments with Tice, but go ahead. Right, but the yeah, guy, yeah. Oh, but, but, let me look it up. Uh, they brought in a guy was, uh, uh, that worked with him in Denver that was on the staff that year uh, that he listened to and not Tice. <laughs> North Tur- no, not- He wasn't Who officially was the, the OC. Was, was it um, – uh, what's the name of his wife? <laughs> so many, So many offensive coordinators, so little time. I'm looking it up. We're gonna get a lot of those uh, drum shots tonight. (laughs) You're gonna get a ton of them. (laughs) (laughs) I got, and then uh, you know uh, the Dolphins hired a new coach. I had to look twice. I thought they hired Mark Tressman. It looks just like Mark. I thought it was like Mark Tressman's younger. It looks like his younger brother. Jeremy Bates. Oh my gosh! I don't even remember that guy. Jeremy Jeremy Bates Bates was officially the quarterback coach for Cutler in 2012, and he worked with him on Shanahan staff. Uh, Cutler loves that guy. <laughs> Why? Uh, who was that guy? I mean, that, he, uh, was, he was good under Mike Shanahan, so. Mm-hmm. Well, I guess. I mean, I, I for some reason, that name just draws a blank in my mind. Yeah. I don't know yeah. what he did or. Yeah. It's because he was only here one year, though. Okay, well, that would explain it. <laughs> I only remember but he Dwayne came Bates. From Denver, but anyway, too, go ahead. Sorry. Does Dan have a Dwayne Bates jersey? I do not, but I do remember Dwayne Bates very well. Okay. 
Uh, yeah, I, I, I thought that was Mark Tressman for, for a second there. The guy looks like a Tressman type. So I don't People are asking I think for the Dolph- <laughs> I think the Dolphins are in trouble. Hey, Tooth, we got a trivia question for you. I, I know I'm shitting right. on your record. Right yeah. So you mentioned Dwayne Bates. Who was the Bears wide receiver that scored in the Philly playoff game in 2001? He scored on an end around. He was more like Dwayne Bates, kind of like, oh, I pulled that name straight out my asshole. Oh, Who's that God guy? Damn it. I know. You recall he scored touchdown on the end around in the 01 playoff game, which was the last game ever at the old Soldier Field. He went to the Titans after the Bears. That was the same day that Jordan came back to Chicago as a wizard, by the way. January oh. in 2002. I think it was January 19th, maybe. Johnny what Knox? guy's name? No, Johnny Knox was years later. Ahmad Merritt. Like, uh, Ahmad Merritt? Ahmad, Ahmad Merritt, Merritt yeah. scored on an end around in that touch in 2001 playoff game. Ahmad Merritt. He was like uh, he was like that uh, guy that played special teams for all those years for the Bears. I forget his name. Another special teamer, wide receiver. You're talking about Dennis Gentry? Uh, no, no, that's that's my that's like I love Dennis Gentry. You can give it, you can give Dennis Gentry the ball on a on a draw play with third and eighteen, and there was a good chance he'd pick up first down. You know. Oh, I love Gentry, <laughs> right? Yeah, so did I. We Great sure player. Was what part. was the name of that young feller that played uh, special teams for a long time for the Bears? A, a wide receiver. Then I think he came back to work for the organization after that. I don't know who the fuck you guys are talking about. Not the guy, not the guy that had like stunning hands that was uh, he was like our best receiver. Oh Lord. <laughs> Can we get the Crypt Keeper back? <laughs> Bring the Crypt Keeper back. <laughs> Stephen Degishi had the answer. He had Ahmad Merritt. Yeah. Where to go? Stephen knows his shit. Nice. Yeah, he does. Um all right, Not so what Johnny else you Bailey, got Johnny Bailey, good, good, uh, good punt return, Johnny Bailey. Uh, yeah, I, one I was season was good. Talking with uh, Aldo um, before the show about how uh, the point I was trying to make when Aaron and I were debating last show was that the hiring of Aaron Poles or Ryan Poles is is uh, there's no one to judge Ryan Poles' performance. That you know, that's why I was talking about a director of football operations because you're mm-hmm. going to have George Green, you know, Eberflus and Poles, and what we've all been looking for, and what most NFL, you know, operations do is they have someone who's able to make those decisions, grade the GM, grade the coach, you know, all that stuff. Really, what the Bears hired is just another young guy who might be good at drafting. You know, that's the point well, that's I was trying the, to that's make. That's a big thing, right, Tooch? Is it's now it is George McCaskey has announced that he is that guy now. Yeah, the he's GM that guy. It's reporting to him, but the GM is going to teach him. It's going to teach him how to evaluate talent. It's going to teach him how, how right. to uh, manage a GM. It's yep. cuckoo, man. And then, and then someone on Titanic said, Iceberg. There's a drum hit. Where's the drum? Oh, your, your, your internet is, is freezing on me. Is it? Do you ah, hear it freezing, Dan? Yes, I do. It's like right on the punchline too. All those things you freak out. For fuck's sake! I said, then someone on the on the Titanic screamed iceberg. 
<laughs> this is like Tooch and Aldo at the Catskills, 1958. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Vaudeville, Peoria. We hit all the spots, Aldo and I. <laughs> That's right, man. <laughs> oh, uh, man. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, this is a disaster waiting to happen because George is the one who's who's judging football operations. Mm-hmm. You know, that's uh, that's what we feared. That's what I was saying. It's, I, I'm not excited about Ryan Poles because unless, I mean, maybe the dude, if the dude's just there and he's drafting like all pro player after all pro, all pro player, fine. I just, nobody does that. You know? I know you mentioned like Scott Pioli and, uh, uh, you know, those guys like Ozzie Newsom and then did draft pretty good, but nobody hits every time. You know, look at uh, Ryan Pace. Everyone, everyone, the best thing people say about Ryan Pace is that he he finds those guys in the fifth round, you know? Like, mm-hmm. Boy, the fourth the fourth round and fifth round, Ryan Pace owns those rounds. You know, they, but I don't you, care. That's you great. got you That's got great, to give credit but... to the scouting staff. They're the ones yeah. that really find those guys. It's Pace's right. job to make a decision on the big. It's know. probably not even Pace. It probably wasn't even him. It was probably like Jeff Shire or someone like that. Yeah. Right? <laughs> you know. <laughs> <laughs> and all, all those all those scouts who are finding those guys will probably be gone. You know, Ryan Pohl's probably bringing a lot of his own guys. You know, I don't know. Some of those guys survived. I think Jeff Shiver, for example, is one of those guys who's been there for quite a while. You know, I can't remember. There's another another guy who's uh, who's been there that survived a few uh, different GM regimes. Uh, I've got to interject. I just I, again, I have to say, give the guys a fucking chance. You know, we wanted Pace yeah. gone, we wanted Nagy gone, and it yep. kind of felt like that can't happen. It's a wet dream if that happens, and it happened. So give Poles and Eberflus uh, an opportunity. Like, I'm happy. I'm still happy Nagy's gone. So, okay, let's let's see what yeah, they can but... do. Like, my optimism is sky high because Baldy's gone. Yeah, George McKenna says you're fucking right to get a chance, goddammit. So that's <laughs> going to live with it. And I'm gonna be I'm gonna be uh, doing their performance reviews. How do you like that, McGuire? Well, he there he's the owner. Fuck it, man. I know that's the that's the that's the problem that we've been talking about for years. Well, I mean, we don't team? have to like his team, you know. That's what I'm saying. Like, we like the team, so let's let's yeah. like the team. We love the team. We that's can't help saying. it. Like, so many people were saying they're gonna switch teams and shit. Like, fuck them. Go ahead. No, no. We decided last week we, it's impossible for us to switch teams. Yeah. <laughs> crowd is moaning after a There's a lot of people in the chat room who agree with you, Dan. Sir Mave, uh, Sir Mave says, uh, give him a chance. Yeah. I'm with Dan. Yeah. And and I, I'm giving him a chance, too, and I think Tooch is, too. But I think, yeah, I think it's okay for us to be a little skeptical given you know the fact but that these guys really don't have a track record as a GM. Well we got coach. what we wanted though. We right. wanted the other guys gone and they're gone. But that's so let's just part just, of it. Let's right. have an off season of happiness. <laughs> but, but, <laughs> if they start sucking and they're like oh and nine, okay I get it. Mm-hmm. But right now we got what we wanted. The draft hasn't even yep. come yet. So there's no there's nothing to be critical of except that oh well this fucker read during his press conference. But so what? If he there's wins, no one's going to remember that he sounded like a buffoon in his original presser. There's, there's a couple <laughs> things. Is that George and Ed are still there calling the shots. 
you know? And the thing with Ryan Poles, right? If I remember Ryan Poles was kind of like, you know, uh, if I'm not hiring the coach, I'm, I'm out, I'm going to Minnesota. You know, who does that? He said, he held, he held George and Ted hostage. And I, I give him credit for that. He was basically like told, told, uh, uh, George and Ted, he's got it pretty sharp because he, he told George and Ted, you don't fucking hire me now. I'm gone. I'm going to Minnesota. We, we don't know if Minnesota wanted him or not, but it worked on George and Ted. So, you know, that's what I'm George, <laughs> did, did he not say, uh, if you don't hire me, I'm going, I'm gone. I'm going to Minnesota. I don't know what did he that say. That was the that? story, right? Right. Right. Uh, no, the story right. said that he was going to Minnesota. His he had an interview. Right. In it's like, yeah, if you don't hi- if you don't hire me and let me pick my coach, I'll go to Minnesota. You know, <laughs> fucking idiot. Although Jason yeah. that, that said, report was bullshit. Hey, if it was my team, fuck you. Who's in charge? <laughs> you or me? Right. <laughs> uh, oh, that's funny. Uh, Tooch, I'm going to ask you. I'm going to ask you to go away and log back in because there is some uh, interference with your signal right now. So we'll see you later. Come on back quickly, please. (laughs) Dan, um, what have you been watching lately? Because I got to share with you um, something that I've been seeing. I watched. I told you last night or this morning. I was waiting to buy those Nine Inch Nails tickets when they went on sale at 10 a.m. my time today. Did you get them? Oh man, Ticketmaster put me in the fucking waiting room. Right. Uh, there was over two thousand people ahead of me. Now imagine this. So it's my turn, right? Mm-hmm. I wait like fourteen minutes, and there was over two thousand people ahead of me. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, okay, here's two tickets. I go to buy them, and then it says, ah, a fan beat you to them. Mm-hmm. Okay. So I go to two more tickets. Click those. Boom. Oh, a fan is beating you to those. I try it a third time, and then it says. Uh, you've exceeded your attempts, and it kicks me out. What? It kicked me out and started me over, so fuck it. I just went to StubHub and paid like $7,000 over face value and bought two <laughs> tickets that way. But oh uh, I got the tickets for the show. But meanwhile, while I was waiting to try to stay awake, mm-hmm. I watched that the guy, what's his name, David Cronberg? Is that how you say it? David Cronenberg. Cronenberg. Yeah, yeah the guy that directed uh, Dead Ringers and The Fly and uh, uh the one with your heads blowing off your head. What Video was that drone. one again? Scanners. 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 Yeah. I watched that one called The Brood. Good, right? Yeah. Oh man, it's like it's fucking crazy. This yeah. without giving you spoilers, this lady's like giving birth externally mm-hmm. to like these crazy, like deformed child yeah. that like you know telepathically can kill based upon like her misery, but she grabs this like sack whatever the fucking thing the baby's born in you know i'm not a dad and just starts eating like the shit off of it and like oh god you just have to see it from 79 it was like just the effects this guy was incredible mm-hmm. of making the weirdest filmmaker all time yeah cronenberg a canadian guy he was yeah. fucking bizarro but i loved every moment of his bizarre nightmares outstanding filmmaker and all of his movies have a look. And I'm trying to remember the name of the movie where they're all staying at a hotel and there's this fucking virus. Not virus, but... uh Oh, that's... uh Everyone starts fucking? Yeah, exactly. Shivers. Shivers. Man, I love that movie. <laughs> yeah, I, I thought Shivers was a little bit too toned down. Yeah, it may have been. 
Yeah, I, but I guess time. it's 75 and you can't get away with a whole bunch mm -hmm. yet. Mm -hmm. But if you're going to have a movie about everyone suddenly horny, you got to have some nudity. I'm sorry. It just I feels agree. like every scene was cut. And I don't mean like, because he made it seem like, you know, pedophilia didn't matter. Anything was like bestiality. Anything could go. Mm -hmm. I'm not saying we needed to see someone sodomize an animal. But, you know, <laughs> with the male and female and female and female, you know, those things, we could see some orgies or something. Sure. Little eyes wide shut action would have been okay. I agree. I agree. Did, Especially back then. I mean, with the, the censors allowed almost anything to go on back then. Go ahead, Dan. You, uh, Danny. Danny. Did, uh, did Dan see uh, Existence, Dan and David Cronenberg with Jennifer Jason Lee and Jude Law? I have not seen that one. Dan, did you see that one? No, no, no. And I want to see that one with Deborah Harry, you know, from Blondie and James Woods. I, I didn't see that one either. I, I, I looked that drone. up. And asked, yeah, yeah, that one was drone. Drone. That's probably the second weirdest one of his. And then Scanners is, is pretty wild, too. I've seen Scanners a bunch. Yeah, Scanners I used to slow, play the head exploding in slow motion. Everybody did, I think, right? Play the head exploding in slow motion. Oh, yes. The like best special effect of the era, and it's still, yeah, it still right. gets laughs nowadays. It's yeah. The best special effects I've ever seen was in The Fly when Jeff Goldblum, great. because evidently flies have to uh, regurgitate their enzymes up to dissolve the food to then digest yeah. it. And yeah, he does that to like John Gertz's hand mm. and vomits on it, and his hand melts. Oh my god, that's disgusting. But it's one of those things like yeah. I can't look away. It's so it looks so real. So let me let me let me tell you real quickly about this Netflix series that I've been watching called um, "All of Us Are Dead." It's a it's a Japanese uh, not excuse me not Japanese Korean uh, produced uh, twelve part series that's on Netflix, and the premise is is that this kid in high school is being bullied. So his father, who happens to be a science teacher at the school, develops this uh, kind of uh, drug that uh, boosts his testosterone so that he can better protect himself because he wants his son to go out there and kick these kids' asses if they're bullying you. So it starts off with this incredible rooftop fight scene where the kid is trying to defend himself against four kids or beating the shit out of him and so forth. And then we quickly see that this kid is, is turned into a zombie with his anger. And, 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 and what happens is he bites some of those kids that are beating his ass and the infection starts to spread throughout the high school. And within an hour or so, the entire high school, or not the entire high school, but the majority of the population at the high school is now a zombie. And so there is a group of kids that we follow who are stuck in the school waiting for help from the government to come in and help help them escape from uh, from this uh, from this zombie apocalypse that's happening at this high school. Little did they know that there are people who left the school infected, and now the entire city has become infected. It is so fucking good, man. And you talk about if you like action, 
if you like zombie action, then this is the, the TV series for you to see. I, I binged it over the weekend, and it's also very, very emotional. It was my daughter who, who by the way, called me, Dad, I'm watching the zombie. I know you like zombies. I'm watching the zombie series, and it is so coo- good, and I've cried like six times. And it's true. Some of the stuff is so emotional. I mean, these guys, the filmmakers are, are fucking reckless with key characters that just kill off you know they have their fucking heads severed and there's appendages rolling down the street and stuff and it's just so intense you see these little kids crying mommy daddy you see you know uh, boyfriend and girlfriends being separated and stuff it's very intense uh intense and emotional i know dan you're not a big zombie guy right I just I never got into that show, The Walking Dead, but I loved a film from the early '80s called The Return of the Living Dead. Yeah, I, I hear that that's better than The Walking Dead. Walking Dead, I thought was good for a season or two, but holy shit, it's like there, there were episodes where did the fucking zombies leave, or, or did they run out of money to dress people up as zombies? There was just like nothing happened. It was all character development, and it was slow moving and stuff. And I, and there was a, a, a post show after all of the episodes called Fear Talk- the Walking Dead. No, no, this was called Talking, Talking Dead. It was Dead. Yeah. Oh, oh, yeah, I was going to say the and, spinoff show. And I remember bad. somebody somebody on that show said, talking to the director or, or the creator, uh, Robert Kirkwood, and saying, how come you don't have more zombies? I, you know, I'm like... I want more action. I want more action. I want more people dying. And I was, I, I remember thinking to myself, you know, I like to think of myself. I want, you know, the content, the heady content. I want to see the symbolism and all this shit. I was like totally with them. Yeah. Why the fuck aren't we seeing more people get their heads ripped off on this show? Well, in this show, uh, all of us are dead. You get that, man. It's like, there's, there's a minute of talking and then you get back to fucking zombies chasing you down the fucking hallway. Is it in English? Uh, it, it is in English. It's dubbed, uh, so you can see the the subtitled version. But uh, the the uh, audio dubbed version is not bad at all. You know, you get used to the fact that you know, okay, these aren't the real voices. Um, Stephen Me wants to know if I would have sex with a zombie. I have had sex with a zombie. <laughs> oh boy, was it killer! <laughs> anyway, that's what I thought. <laughs> yeah, yeah my, where's my uh, does that mean you're into necrophilia? Uh, I, what's her name again? <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, I mean, uh, zombie movies I've always liked a lot, but uh, you know, it, it's hard to find a good one, and I have found a good one. And by the way, if you if you don't want to devote the 12 episodes, it's 12 hours, there's a movie. Uh, and, and I think the movie, it's also on Netflix. It's called Train to Busan. It's done by the yeah. same filmmakers. It's a two-hour, two-hour and 15-minute movie. It's fucking fantastic. Although I yeah, don't think good. it's a dubbed version of that. But Train to Busan, it's about uh, a uh, uh, zombies on a train. <laughs> so a father and daughter are trying to survive. Uh, uh, most of it is in, in a train, yeah, but... It's really, really fucking well done. The Koreans are, are doing some great stuff with special effects. You know what? And I, and I think I was thinking about this as I was seeing it. They're doing special effects that in America would cost a billion dollars. But the Koreans have figured out low-cost ways to do quality special effects and make their movies more sinister and scary and horrific you know, it's typical. Anything that you do here in the United States, I don't know if it's because of payoffs or unions or whatever the fuck it is. It's just way too expensive. And so you, you don't sound get- like Joe Manchin. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> no, please, I take it all back. Side, so. <laughs> I take it all back. <laughs> Foster Cover says he's dated a few zombies. <laughs> Dan, you haven't shared a, a sex story with us for a while. Don't yeah, tell me. I'm getting late since after Christmas, but you know, hopefully Get that'll out. Uh, will change this weekend. I hope so. We'll see. Tell us what's happening this weekend. Well, you know, it's the Super Bowl, which I hope that we can still talk on, and maybe I'll. Uh, yeah, my dick sucked <laughs> the same weekend. Oh, yeah. Joe Burrow coming over to suck your dick. What, what are you talking about? Who who are you seeing? What's going on? Uh, the same lady from uh, in late December that that, that I uh, went on the date with for the Matrix Resurrections. Oh yeah, I saw a picture of her. Very cute. Yeah. So I mean, it's you know, not, I'm just saying maybe we'll see. But uh, I'll, did you want to touch on? Because uh, I got 25 minutes to go. I really like to talk Super Bowls, but we still haven't talked about Mad Men. I just finished that up. Tuch, if you want you to seen, touch that on Tuch, here. have you seen Mad Men? I uh, haven't. Uh, go ahead. Uh, why don't you share your thoughts over from from uh, overall, you know, so you, you saw all six, seven seasons, right, Dan? Yeah, I binged it all in, in about six or eight weeks or whatever it was. Outstanding, isn't it? Ah, oh, man, it's a great show. Well, I, I told you I had problems with the ending. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you want me to go over it. I sent you that message, which you actually agreed with. Yeah, I did. For my uh, suggestions of the finale. Outstanding yeah, suggestions. You you had a better ending than the creators. I, I, I wish they would have seen your script notes at the time of filming because you had a much better ending. But please go ahead. That's the thing. With that, I don't know if I'm, you want me to, to talk about that or not. But sure. I just felt like in the ending... You, you come to watch these characters for, you know, six, seven years or what have you. You learn their tendencies. You learn how they think and their motivations and, you know, the way they were behaving, specifically John Hamm's character, Don Draper, in the end, isn't who he was. Like, that's not what he would have done in those scenarios. But more than anything, if he'd have heard that his, that his wife had cancer, he's going to cut and run, even if he wigged out and went out west for no reason again, which I don't know why he would do that when he didn't have the advantage before he was doing that because he could be complacent because he's sort of the boss. Mm-hmm. And in the end, when he find, you know, he just saved his job, they just saved his ass. He thought he was going to lose his gig multiple times, and, and, and he survived, and he walks out in a meeting and just decides to drive across country like he's Forrest fucking Gump. You know, and he just decided to run or whatever. I just, I don't see that happening. And But if it did, you know, he would have left when his found out that his wife uh, had cancer. I, I just, you know, why would he do, he wouldn't have done that. His character wouldn't have done that. Yeah. And then, you know, the, again, just to tell Peggy that stuff on the phone and sounding suicidal, I think she would have jumped in. You know, you could have brought it full circle. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, that scene you sent me before I started watching it where she's like, you know, why didn't I get credit for that spot? You won that award, but I wrote the copy. And he's like, I fucking pay you. That's your copy. And you've been in the business two years Mm -hmm. because I hired you. I hired you as a secretary and I gave you the fucking gig. So, again, I thought it would have been great if she'd have been like, remember that speech that you had to me? And you told me what I needed to hear, even though it wasn't comfortable. I need to but say, it's, 
Go ahead. I'm sorry. But it's what I needed to hear at the time. Mm-hmm. That's what she needed to tell him. Like, remember that? Well, I'm telling you now, get off your fucking ass. Tell me where you are. I'm coming to get you. I love you. I love you as a human being. I respect you as a man. And I'm coming to help you because you need help. And that would have brought the show full circle instead of him just talking to Peggy. And then that's that. And then he's doing some yoga and smiles. I guess the implication is that he made that Coca-Cola ad and he smiled because when they were humming, he thought of the jingle. Correct. I, I just, it was stupid. I think they missed an opportunity there. A tremendous opportunity. And, and, and when the series was, uh, was live at the time, if people were guessing, yeah, Don's going to go away. He's going to end up in some commune and he's going to think of, uh, I'd like to think, I like to thank the world, you know, the, uh, the famous Coca-Cola jingle that was inspired by the sixties hippie generation. And everybody figured it out. Your fucking ending was so much better and so much in par with what the filmmakers have been doing for the previous several seasons. So, it, and it would have brought it back full circle because the show started with their two characters mm-hmm, yep. and then she brings him back and he survives and he gets his job and he can still write that jingle. Mm-hmm, right. Cause earlier in the episode, <clears throat> someone told him like, you know, maybe it was Peggy. Someone said like, you have, you have, you could get Coca-Cola now. Mm-hmm, right. So, so it is feasible, but I thought the last two episodes of the show as were as, as bad as they could have possibly been. Mm-hmm. But having said that, overall, it, the show was still so good that the last two episodes, which were just throwaways, like it felt like that they just said, ah, oh, fuck it. Let's just, we got to have an ending. So let's not put too much thought into this. Yeah, I mean, I, I think they put a lot of thought into it, but it just they just swung and missed. So GCA There's says so many t- shows like that to just fuck up the finale. Yeah, well, and that's what GCA says. He said TV shows rarely have good series finales, and I agree with him. It's just, just Six true. Feet Under is the only one I can think of where I'm like, oh, that's great. And the Americans, the Americans was good. Yeah, Tucci, you ever see Six Feet Under? No. Oh my gosh! It's the fucking best ending, and I'm going to give it away right now because you did even turn though, me on to uh, Dexter, though, and I'm enjoying that. Yeah, good, good. Six Feet Under is the story about a uh, funeral home, the family that runs this funeral home, and every episode starts with somebody dying. You see the weird way somebody gets hit a golf ball on top of the head, they die, and and you see part of their story over the next hour, but mostly it's about the family and the troubles that they are having make a long story short the season finale the the filmmaker says you're sitting around and and saying well how are we going to end this well one guy says i got the perfect way to end it we started every series with people dying every episode of every every show we started with somebody dying let's end it with all the cast members we learn how they die yeah it was fucking beautiful they do this montage that's like five or six minutes that's showing you the progression uh, after what was the, the girl's name, the sister, um, yeah. the character. Uh, oh gosh. The, the redhead. Um, yeah. Yeah. When she's going to New York to take a gig, she's mm-hmm. driving a car. Mm-hmm. And so they show this montage of their lives after she left. Mm-hmm. And it's like within five minutes with music playing. And then you see how each individual character died. Mm-hmm. And I I feel like you could just watch that episode cold and not even watch the rest of it exactly. and still cry. Yes, uh, absolutely right, Dan. 
Absolutely right. And I think that me giving away the ending here, you're still, if you'll still watch it and you will still cry. It was that good. And by the way, Travis's Game of Thrones was the worst ending to a phenomenal show. And I agree wholeheartedly. And John Santucci says Lost had an ending that sucked too. Did you ever watch Lost, Dan? No. Good for you. (laughs) It's a good show, but they really just had nowhere to go. They came up with a really good fucking premise. Okay, what do we do now, guys? (laughs) The first three seasons were amazing. You're just like, this is the best show ever. Then after that, like lost its way. We're like, hey, how do we how do we write ourselves out of this shit? Yeah, (laughs) they were coming up with shit. I mean, yeah, I read a story that they were getting uh they would read stuff, read stuff online from fans that would give them ideas. Oh, yeah, we should do that for a couple episodes until we figure out what the fuck to do with these characters, because they had no clue and it's it's very disappointing because that was a great creative team behind that show like can we talk yeah, Super Bowl before we go? absolutely dan wants to talk super bowl uh the end yeah. of this show <laughs> Stephen, he says the end of this show is like you're funny you asshole um <laughs> uh yeah you guys start the conversation on super bowl i'm gonna take a whiz uh go ahead well, All right. uh, I was going to talk about the history and stuff, but I'd rather yeah. have Aldo here. So uh, this year, I I'm rooting for Cincinnati. I I if Detroit, or I'm sorry, if the Rams win, I won't be completely unhappy because I always empathize with Stafford when he was in Detroit. Of course, I wasn't rooting for him when he was in Detroit, but I always thought he was better than than the team that he was on. So if he won the Super Bowl, his wife's overcome cancer, you know, all those things, that wouldn't bother me so much. I do hate Beckham. I hate players like that that are only in it when the when the team is winning. If they start losing, he's going to be a fucking distraction, a nuisance, and start complaining and ripping the team apart and demand a trade or get suspended. You know, the only player like that that yeah. I liked was yeah. Brandon Marshall because I think Brandon – didn't bitch like that when they were losing. He just, it would be something else on the field. Like he wasn't getting enough passes or something. Yeah. Beckham jr. Seems to be uh, re- rejuvenated. Uh, now that he's, he's got his chance to play in the super bowl, he could lose you know? his mind in the middle of the game. If they're losing, if they're down like 16, 17 points, he'll throw his helmet or something. I got to tell you though, he has not looked good until recent. You know, now he looks decent you know he's opposite cooper cup he's got stafford throwing him passes but man there was a time you know when he was on the giants he was you know the next big thing and after that you because know, of one catch yeah he well, made a one-handed reception a thousand yard receiver oh my god times. he's a hall of famer pump the uh, fucking brakes I, well i mean yeah, he's a good Super Bowl, man. i'm excited uh, i think receiver. go ahead uh, you're cutting out I can't, I can't really hear you Sorry, yeah. Uh, I've got some prop bets I could give out to for the uh, Super Bowl as well. And I, I think okay. the Super Bowl, um, Matt Stafford threw the most interceptions over the past, uh, I want to say, 10 games of the season, including the playoffs of the past 10 of his games. So I, I think uh, if uh, if Stafford, uh, th- this game could easily be lost by Matt Stafford if he, you know, gives it up to the Cincinnati secondary and Joe Burrow seems to be uh pretty cool not letting the the big spotlight uh, affect him but we'll see I mean the Super Bowl is the biggest stage uh of all for these players you know so Joe Burrow uh yeah the the uh the the Cincinnati offensive line 
worries me. But that's where my first prop bet comes in because uh, Joe Burrow had a few scrambles. He instead of you know taking sacks or, or waiting around to see if one of his receivers would come open, he would take off and run. So uh, Joe Burrow over eleven and a half rushing yards is like minus one twenty right now. So you can pretty he's gonna run know, for good. his life. He's gonna pretty get good. He'd be running life. for his life. <laughs> pretty good. good prop bet. Yeah, another good bet uh, is uh, the Bengals have a really good kicker. Zach Taylor enjoys using. He's hit this. He's had two or more field goals in I think five of his last six games or nine of his last ten games, something like that. But uh, Evan uh, McPherson over one and a half field goals in the Super Bowl for the game that looks like a pretty tempting bet for me. Uh, both of those, I like the field goal bet a little bit better than Joe Burrow's rushing yard. So I think both of those are pretty good pretty good majors during the, uh, the, the the Super Bowl. I know a lot of people like the uh, how long is the half halftime or uh, sorry the the, uh, the national anthem over under you know two and a half minutes or whatever it is. I know some people some people like uh, wagering that the color of the Gatorade uh, right all those a Gatorade color that they dump so on it, the winning isn't coach. It always blue or orange is it, it's it, you got like a you got it. You got to think if it's the, yeah, right. If, if it's the Bengals, it's going to be orange, right? Mm-hmm. If it's the Rams, it's probably going to be blue blue Gatorade. So, right. I, I don't see right. that as much of a bet. Right. So, it's got to, uh, hey, Dad, you bet on any games or, or anything Super Bowl, or you just enjoy the game? No, no, I, I don't bet on shit. I mean, I'm just a fan. When was the last time you placed a bet on something, Dan? Uh, the Mayweather fight. That's because the Mayweather when with nice. uh, the UFC guy. Mm-hmm. What was his name again? McGregor? Connor yeah. McGregor. Yeah, I was watching at a guy's house, and he, like, because my friend Mike was going, you know, and Mike uh, <laughs> was like, yeah, you can come with me. We can watch it here. And then the guy asked me, I was in a house full of white people, and everyone white was, like, rooting for McGregor. <laughs> and they said, well, who do you, th- who, who are you rooting for? And I said, are you asking me who I'm rooting for or who I think's going to win? And they said, well, who do you think is going to win? I was like, Floyd. And they're like, oh, my God, really? I was like, yeah. <laughs> he was like, well, let's make a bet. I was like, why don't I just give you like $20, $30 since I'm at your house watching this for free? He's like, no, 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 no. Let's let's, let's make it. I was like, really? You really want to bet? I was like, He's like, yeah, let's bet $20. I was like, okay. And so I got $20 to watch the Floyd fight. <laughs> I'm at his house and he pays me 20. I was like, no, I don't need the money, man. It's fine. I'm surprised you didn't become a gambling addict after that. <laughs> no, I, I don't want to like, I, I will waste too much money on concert tickets and movies and shit to suddenly start losing it through a, 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 an addiction to sports. Not going to happen. Tooch, are you a nine inch nails fan? Man, I tell you in high school, I loved, uh, Nine Inch Nails and Mystery and Nitzarev, all those bands. Uh, you know, I used to listen to that in, in college. I mean, sorry, that was college for me. Nine, early nineties, late eighties. I don't know much Nine Inch Nails. I know their work on the Oliver Stone um, movie. Natural Born Killers. Yeah. yeah, I know their work from there. But well, Tooch was that, in. That's right. Tell us about that, Tooch. What scene <laughs> were you in? In the Joliet Jailhouse. Uh, a food riot scene. Can we spot you? Actually, spot you in one of the shots? I think so. You know, uh, I was wearing a, a bandana. So, mm-hmm. were you like a crip or something? 
I, I don't know. Like they, the wardrobe dressed me up. I was like 25 years old. Oh, 27. Yeah, I, I got a lot of friends who have been extras in movies and they were like with a lot of extras and, and you know, oh man, you're going to be in this movie. So if we go to the theater, yeah. hey, I didn't fucking see you anywhere in that movie. I swear to God, I was in the background somewhere. I did get to meet Woody Harrelson. Oh, was look at that. He, he, he was standing around in between scenes and he stood like next to a few extras and, uh, I, I think he like he he was eating something unwrapped. He crumpled up his wrapper, you know, and he he looked at me and he goes, 50 bucks says I make the shot, you know, and then he missed and he goes, You should have bet me. <laughs> oh, you should have bet. And Did then you have uh, Woody Woody Harrelson's like he's like five foot seven or five foot nine, maybe. And then really? Juliet Lewis is like four foot eleven. And then you got Tommy Lee Jones and Oliver Stone, who are like six foot five. Each looks kind really. Of, they're tall. I didn't know they Very were tall. tall. Yeah. All right, we're up but to twenty-two good, likes. Uh, I'm trying to get everybody to get like this show and get us up to twenty-five. <laughs> <laughs> we got Dan, sixty people watching the show. We should have sixty likes. Yeah, well, uh, and we've Which got one of you uh, motherfuckers doesn't like the show except the guy that said the ending sucks. <laughs> <laughs> which <laughs> which team are you winning for Sunday? Me. Yeah, I'm not rooting for any team. I, I might make a bet, and so that will necessitate me rooting for somebody. But I don't, you know, the fan in you doesn't care at all. No, I want drama. I want the game to go to the last fucking minute. I want to be able to say that was a fucking fun game. Um, I, I, but I don't really care. I mean, it would be nice for Stafford. That way, I can tell Don Burr you guys fucked up Matt Stafford's career. But fortunately, <laughs> he got away, got away from Detroit and now has a Super Bowl. There's been a, a Greg Gabriel yeah. is somebody who who has since he scouted him when uh, Stafford was at Georgia. Did not like Stafford. Said this guy's just about stats. He's just about throwing. He doesn't know how to win and so forth. And you know, like, Greg is a has had a lot of success in the scouting business. So who am I to argue with him? But I've never disagreed with that. I always felt like Stafford, um, while he created some of his own problems, don't get me wrong, but at the same time, the guy is extremely talented. And, I, and so I would love for him to win so that I can uh, give it give it to some of the fucking uh, Lions fans and say, look, at, look at you fucking guys had a Super Bowl winning quarterback and you could not fucking win with them. You had wouldn't it be some shit if uh, if Leonard Floyd was the MVP, then you can tell Phil Atoshin. <laughs> You're wrong, Phil. You are so always against Leonard Floyd. Well, and now just, look at it. It's just not draft Dr. Phil. It's Lauren Cox. There's been a couple of people in the chat today who were saying Leonard Floyd was is not very good. And I'm just, you guys don't see everything that he does. Listen, over the last two seasons, he has 20 sacks with the Rams. That's not fucking chicken feed. 10.5 and 9.5 over the last two seasons with the Rams. Plus, on top of that, he can guard any running back. He can guard any tight end. He can uh, he can shadow any quarterback. The guy is so versatile. He is a piece on a team that can help you win Super Bowls. And the fact that Ryan Pace didn't fucking realize what he himself drafted is just testament to what a fucking idiot Ryan Pace is. We've come around full circle of me talking badly about Ryan Pace. <laughs> I wonder, uh, thinking about... <laughs> Well, I was, I'll, I'll drop it off Leonard Floyd. Fuck it. I don't want to waste the rest of the show on Leonard Floyd. Uh, who does Aldo love in the Mar game? I don't care who wins. I, I, I'm going to probably lay a bet, but it'll probably be prop bets, but I, I don't care who wins. I just yeah. want 
fun game. Well, I was yeah. going to say, could Chris Collinsworth actually, because he doesn't have his his lovers in in there like Rodgers and Mahomes, but he played two Super Bowls with the Bengals. Is he going to show us his hand and be completely subjective for Cincinnati in his broadcasting? Because he has a hard time hiding who he's rooting for. I'm interested to see that. This is supposed to be Al's last game with NBC. Uh, the way I understand it, Tariko takes over Sunday Night Football next season, and Al goes to Amazon mm -hmm. because Al's going to be doing Thursday Night Football, evidently, at Amazon. So this is the end of an era with for Al's, I guess, last Super Bowl. And... Like I said, Collinsworth, you just how how is he gonna I'm gonna be rooting for Cincinnati and he's still probably gonna piss me off. The the um Al Michaels to Amazon is not locked in yet, but yeah, that seems to be the prevailing rumor that that's where he's headed. And I think Mike Rico is fucking ready to have that plum assignment on Sunday night. Tarico to me is probably the second or third best play by play guy behind Al Michaels and he had lots of sexual problems, allegations against him at yeah. uh, ESPN yeah. that make you kind of worry. Not to say that he was guilty because he could have been innocent of all of those, but he had a lot of problems with ladies at ESPN if you read that book, mm -hmm. yeah. uh, which kind of makes me, uh, you know, cringe. And I wasn't a big Tony Kornheiser fan, but when he was at ESPN, you know, like Tariko allegedly, according to Kornheiser would like not tell him what they were going to do and just was trying to make him look bad because he didn't want him there. He kind of did the same thing to Joe Theismann because he didn't want Theismann there. He wanted Jaworski there. And so Tariko's from all accounts is an asshole, but I do like him, his actual voice and his job, mm -hmm. like doing the game. Like I, I liked listening to him. So I agree with you in that regard. It's just, if you listen to all these other stories, he's a dick, man. Yeah. But yeah, I do like him on air, though. I will give you that. What about? But I'm excited. Uh, real quickly, uh, Dan, uh, I want to get this in before you leave. Chris Collinsworth is always smiling when talking, and it's annoying. That's what the factor says, and I totally agree with him. And so does Jack Collinsworth. Oh yeah, his son. Yeah. I mean, what the fuck is going on there? It's like, why are we getting more Collinsworth when we have enough with Chris Collinsworth? That's awful. <laughs> you know, and another thing I always read about to defend Chris, they're like, oh, well, he's done enough right now to fend off Drew Brees. And it's like, okay, Collinsworth has been announcing games since like, as soon as he retired, you know, he even did Notre Dame games back in the day for NBC and he's worked at NBC, he's worked at Fox. Uh, uh, you know, he's now, of course, with NBC again. Uh, man, this guy, you know, he's got a resume. Mm -hmm. You know, he worked inside the NFL. Like, Drew Brees, like, he did that one playoff game this season. It sounded like shit. So I can't imagine. He did that Cincinnati game with the Raiders, and neither guy acknowledged, like, the bogus call and the touchdown and who's out of bounds and the I whistle. Know. Yes, awful. It, yeah, so I don't know why Breeze is supposed to be like some golden boy. It's going to take the job. No, I, I I don't see that at all. By the way, yeah, 4, Collinsworth's 000, better than him. Four thousand Clovers directed this question at me, but I want you to answer it, Dan. Would you rather get laid with your favorite celebrity, or the Bears win a Super Bowl? Come on, Dan. I'll take the Bears Super Bowl. I knew you would. I knew it. I knew it. Yeah, yeah. I knew you would. 
I my knew. favorite like female is, is gone i think like the one i'd like to fuck so she's already died who is that amy winehouse oh wow you really really uh have her above other beauties? well i'm just i always thought amy winehouse was so hot and mm -hmm. i told you that uh annabella ciara i thought it was incredible when she was younger mm -hmm. and sarah silverman Oh. Which a lot of people didn't like, think she's ugly or whatever. I think she's hot as fuck. I agree with you on all of those. Yeah, but Amy Winehouse, man, she was, of course, you'd have probably gotten hepatitis or something, but there's no, there's no we're just talking about hypothetically. <laughs> there was no blocks, just all dark hair chicks. I'm a brunette kind of guy. Yeah. Mm -hmm. 4,000 Clover says, sorry, me too. Uh, uh, sorry, Ava Mendez, but I love my bears more. LOL. I, I'm with you though on Ava Mendez. If I had, if I could, uh, she's probably be at the top of my list of uh, celebrities. Selma Hayek as well. You know, yeah. I was once, uh, real quickly before Dan gets out of here, I, I was once doing a job in Indianapolis and the the housekeeper was cleaning my room and she starts talking to me in Spanish and so forth. And one of the things she told me is my daughter works at the front desk and she looks like Selma Hayek. You should, should go down and say hi to her. Holy shit. I immediately got an erection. Your daughter works at the front desk. She looks like Selma Hayek and you're telling me to go say hi to her. I'm going to bring her up to the room and I'm going to fuck the shit out of her. That's what, I, <laughs> that's what I'm thinking, right? So I go downstairs and there's this old lady who probably was the daughter, but she looked nothing like Salma Hayek. And my erection was gone within seconds. Anyways, that's my story. <laughs> and I'm sticking to it because I think my wife is listening. <laughs> anyway, oh, boy. Dan, any, uh, any final thoughts, Dan, before you uh, vamoosh? Now, I really wanted to talk like Super Bowl history. Like, I wanted to do that last week, and we're like, well, let's save it well, for next week. And then now I'm working on the Super Bowl book for ESPN right now. Say again, uh, both of you guys are talking about the same thing. I miss both. I'm working on the Super Bowl book for ESPN magazine right now. It has like mm. Bengals history, you know, and Chris Collinsworth is in there, Dan. Same with uh, Tim Crum. Yeah, he had a big fumble in Super Bowl 16. Yeah, and uh, uh, Anthony Munoz, you know, all the greats, James, James Brooks, Icky Woods. Oh, yeah, Biggie Shuffle. Dan, we're going to have a great Super Bowl to talk about on the next week's show, and then we can talk about the history of Super Bowls. That's what I'd really like to do, okay. you know, talk some history yeah. there. Yeah. I'd really like to get you like, to reminisce. Like, it's always me. I always try to get you to tell me your memories on things. That was things. a great Super Bowl, the Bengals and 49ers, and Tim Crumrise's leg broke and flapped around. You know, I was like, I like uh, that first one better. I like 16 better than 23. Let me tell you something. If you get me reminiscing about, let's say, uh, Super Bowl 21 with the Broncos, uh, all I can tell you is how many times I ejaculated while having sex with my girlfriend, <laughs> how, many, how many sick uh, marijuana cigarettes I had. Th those are my memories of the Super Bowl, you know, because I get high. And I'm usually watching it with a girl. Now, this is years ago. This has changed over the last few years. So I don't – my memory of the games is not as precise as yours are. So I'm sure people would rather listen to you, Dan, uh, reminisce about the Super Bowl games than me. Where I'll just well, just like a matchup that you were like, man, I wanted that fucking team to lose. Oh, the Steelers and Cowboys, man. I mean, that, that was – although the uh, Steelers did win. It was 35 to 31. And I, I – 
my issue was is that my brother was a huge Pittsburgh Steelers fan, and I couldn't understand why the. It's fuck- called the bandwagon. Exactly, and and, and so I, I would challenge him, challenge him on that, even to the point where we get we would start to literally physically fight. We would both be drinking and so forth. You're just fucking rooting for the Steelers because you like their black and gold jerseys. You don't give a shit. You don't even know who's on the fucking roster. Fuck you. I know who Bradshaw is. That's the type of fights we would get into the Super Bowls. So those are Tony Dungy was on that Steelers team. That's right. He was. See, now I would know that, but my brother. A guy that went to my mom's high school. Uh, was on the Steelers that those the last two Super Bowl wins. His name was Tom Beasley. He actually made the Pro Bowl for them in like 82, 83, that era. He was a reserve in 78 and 79 when they won Super Bowls 13 and 14. His brother was my Little League coach. So the there's some, some fun insight. But, uh, yeah, see, that's what I'd, I'd love to talk about, things like that. You know, right. like just your memories that you brought up 21 and I got to go. But the best throw I think I've ever seen in my life was, uh, you know, the Broncos are down in the second half and Ellie's on the run and it's completely against his body across the field. And he throws like a fucking 55 yard pass and it's a spiral against his body on the run to Vance Johnson. And it's just beautiful. Now they're losing, they lost the game, but just John Elway, even if he was drunk and Brian Flores's interview, which he alleges, and Elway denies, I will say that John Elway's arm, man. Dude, that's why I like Cutler so much. Elway had a fucking cannon. He did. And uh, Elway went yeah, through all yeah. those losses, mm-hmm. you know, within those three Super Bowls and then come back to win them later in, in, in life and beat Green Bay. That's just great, man. Like when, when they beat Green Bay, they showed up in the booth, like the adulation and the happiness from his dad when he finally won. And his dad died right after that. You know, those are like, it's just an unbelievable story. And they, they were like 14 point, 13 point underdogs against Green Bay. And they still won. It was, it was great. It was P- great. I love P- John. PJ has a great trivia question. Maybe you know the answer before you leave. It says, what division has won the most Super Bowls? I like to That's guess. That the East, right? With the You're Patriots? talking about the bit, like the actual, divi- but the, the, there was no AFC North or South. That's true. NFC North and South until 2002. Right. So, yeah. So NFC East has got to be up there too with the Cowboys and Giants. Mm-hmm. You know, Eagles just had one. But the Patriots' seven wins just alone is probably more than any division. Well, the Cowboys <laughs> had a bunch, didn't they? You know, they had uh, uh, Cowboys had... won Super Bowls six, 12, yeah. 27, 28, and 30. Hut, hut. Yep. That's five right there. The Giants. Yeah, Bill Parcells, Giants won 21, 25, 42, and 46. What the fuck? Are you reading this? No. The Eagles just had one, too. Red Eagles won 52, but they lost Joe, Joe Gibbs. Joe Gibbs. Redskins Joe Gibbs won Super Bowl 17, 22, 26, and lost 18. <laughs> there you go. Hey, That's guys, a lot, That's a lot for the, the NFC East. Week, but I got to go, unfortunately. But Aldo, remember, next week I got another fucking basketball game. Yeah. The AFC East just had the Patriots, really. <laughs> right. Maybe we should go on Monday the next Jets week. The Jets had one. That's fine with me. All right. I'll let you know. All right. I got to go, gentlemen. Get out of here. Go save some lives. All right. Be well. Thanks. 
That was Dan Aguirre going to his second job. He is also, Uh, besides uh, a radio DJ uh, guy out in the east, he's also second job is uh, 911 uh, emergency operator. So good luck to him. It can be crazy for him. He sometimes will text me a story. Oh, my gosh, this woman is stuck in a car. They can't get her out and stuff. It's uh, And then an hour later, uh, she passed away and stuff. He tells me all these, these stories. And. I wonder why the guy doesn't drink more than I do (laughs) with these horrific stories that he's dealing with life and death situations. It's unbelievable. And he's a great guy. Dan Aguirre. He's also a nine inch nails fan, which I don't understand why. Um, Tooch doesn't understand why either, (laughs) but uh, we, we bless him. So uh, Tooch, any uh, thoughts on this Super Bowl game that you absolutely must share with our fans? Yeah, I, I did a show today with uh, my partner Anthony from Pound at Sports and Brian Edwards, another handicapper. We talked about how uh, both these teams really good run defenses. Uh, Bengals finished fifth overall against the run, which you know I, I didn't believe, but they do have an underrated defense in the Rams. Really shored up their run defense, you know, towards the second half of the season. They finished six overall. Mm. So, man, I I, I think you're going to see a, 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 a lot of passing in this game. I hope you got Stafford and Burrow. Burrow's got three really good wide receivers. One guy who can change the game all by himself, and then Higgins and Boy, those guys are good too. Uh, and then you know uh, uh, the Rams, Stafford with Cup and and uh, Odell Beckham Jr. Pretty good crew there now. Both the tight ends for uh, each team are banked up. Doesn't look like Higby will play. Uzoma says there's no way he's going to be out in this game. The Bengals tight end. He says there's no way I'm not playing in the game, uh, even though he had that leg injury uh, in the last playoff game. But uh, like people said in the chat room, the Bengals offensive line, you know, patchwork. You know, Joe Burrow was sat nine times in the Patriots game. So, I mean, mm-hmm. uh, in the Titans game. So, uh, Rams passengers, you got Donald and Von Miller and Leonard Floyd, you know, who'll be coming after Burrow. But I mean, it, I think it all comes down to which quarterback makes the most mistakes. Matt Stafford, second half of the season, one of the quarterbacks that threw the most interceptions in the NFL. And then Joe Burrow, you know, he's a young kid, doesn't seem to phase him, know the pressure, the big spotlight. Uh, it, you Matt think he's Stafford, getting a little cocky, uh, too. You think he's getting a little cocky? <laughs> uh, if he is, I'd, I'd say that's pretty good, man. I, uh, you know, help him handle all that pressure. But uh, Matt Stafford is the guy I worry about with the with the picks. You know, that could be the difference in the game. And then you know the Bengals, man. I bet against them three times in a row, and they have won three times. Yeah, they they were uh, they they beat the Raiders. Mm-hmm. You know, covered the spread in that game. You know, they beat the Titans, went into Nashville, beat the Titans uh, outright, and then uh, uh, down big against the uh, Chiefs in Kansas City. They come back and win that one too. So I, I hesitate to bet against Cincinnati, but then you got to think, you know, the, uh, the streak against the spread might come to an end. I mean, mm-hmm. LA, LA has built this team to win right now. Cincinnati did not build the team to go to the Super Bowl, win the Super Bowl, they're, but they're there. You know, that's the mm-hmm. thing. That's the difference. I mean, Cincinnati, this was supposed to be uh, a year where they just get to the playoffs and maybe, you know, this was – but they, they find themselves in the Super Bowl right now, mm-hmm. you know. So, uh, I mean, <laughs> stranger things have happened. Uh, 
technically, I mean, this is kind of uh, uh, the McVeigh and, and and Taylor. You know, they they were worked together right with the Rams, right? And uh, they they know each other pretty well. I, the first half, I think, I don't see uh, it be that uh, uh, much scoring as these two teams, uh, you know, counter punch and counter punch and feel each other out. I, you know, they're not going to be taking as many risks until you get to the second half. And, you know, Zach Taylor of the Bengals, he likes to he likes to throw that kicker out there. That kicker could hit from 60 yards. McPherson, that dude is really good. Uh, <laughs> I'm just a disembodied head. <laughs> For those of you listening in the audio podcast, you're asking to Jefferson. He's in a dark room. Yeah, he, he definitely is because in the background you don't yeah. see anything. You see a shade of his green screen, and you see a shade. Yeah, of his- I want to use the green screen, but it's like there's so much video lag. You know, I just I can't. You know. Yeah, you need a super high performing uh, computer with high processor and all. Yeah, that so I, mean, I, I don't think I, I'd like to upgrade my MacBook. You know, coming up here, but. Uh, I mean, even my work MacBook is getting behind the times now. You know, I'd love to have one of the new MacBooks. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, I was telling uh, uh, folks, you know, I like those two prop bets, the Joe Burrow over 11 and a half yards rushing, and uh, Evan McPherson, the kicker for the Bengals, over one and a half field goals. Man, I think that's pretty, you know, that's a pretty mm-hmm. safe bet right there. I, you know, I'll probably Absolutely. lay one down on that one. So all he needs is two field goals. I think, uh, Total points for Evan McPherson in the game is seven and a half, which would be two field goals, two extra points, or three field goals. So, uh, hold up a newspaper. Uh, hostages. One. Have you seen this man? Where is he? <laughs> People are saying that Sean's video is hostage video quality. <laughs> uh, I used to have the little like fake Bears man cave in the background, but the audio lag was just too much. You know? Yeah, so that's crazy. I'm here. That's crazy. And, then, and then someone said the green screen Tooch is a Packers fan. So <laughs> and green, no. the green screen's back here though. See, so it's right behind me. Yeah, it is. Oh, you're pointing the light the wrong way. Pointing at the screen. Yeah, there the, you uh, the uh what do you call it? The, Circle light. It's got uh, different temperatures. I love it. That is cool. You, know, you can have a cool, warm, whatever. Um, yeah. So uh, uh, let people know where they can uh, see your uh, a gambling yeah. show to get these tips that are worth millions of dollars. Yeah. Um, every day on Twitter, a giveaway of free play. Tonight's free play was Kansas City Ruse over St. Thomas, Minnesota. Tommy's Ruse minus two and a half points. They won outright. No problem. I think they won by 10. So mm-hmm. uh, it was a free play, gave away, um, gave Aldo a few plays, uh, hit Syracuse and Creighton, and Creighton and Kentucky both did not cover the spread. So two and two those plays, but Kentucky should have won one extra point and that would have covered that spread. Oh, unbelievable. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Uh, yeah, college basketball, I'm, always, I'm super busy right now. love college basketball. So uh, I spend a lot of time handicapping games and – you know, trying to get my bets in and, and people that subscribe to my picks, get, get, give it out the card. I do my spreadsheets. I'm up, up ins, insomnia, you know, fuels the spreadsheets. You know, I fall asleep, wake up. I sleep in like spurts now, although I don't know if this is the oh, yeah. sign. Um, you know, when you get to like 50s, 60s, you know, you'll you'll fall asleep, sleep for like two and a half hours. Like, man, I'm fucking ready to go. I'm completely rested. Then, you know, like two and a half hours later, you're like, 
going down maybe sleep like four hours you know it's like wait you wake up you got a pissed maybe once or twice a night you know that's Jesus. A, this is what you have to look forward to kids <laughs> that's right Stephen me says Detroit fans celebrating Stafford's success is pathetic would we would we be celebrating if Cutler took Miami to the Super Bowl a few years ago I don't fucking think so I agree no, with you no. Stephen it's yeah, uh I agree and I think these uh, these Lions fans who are celebrating Stafford's success, there are two camps. One is that they have always hated the management of Detroit and said correctly that Stafford wasn't given enough weapons and good coaching and so forth to succeed. And then there are others who are just trying to hide behind the fact that they uh, were critical of Matt Stafford, but now are just changing their tune because they're trying to save face. That's Detroit Lions fans for you. But you know what? There's a lot of Chicago Bears fans that way, Green Bay Packers fans that way. It's kind of human nature, I believe. Um, King Pookie Nation, by the way, has a uh, has a podcast or webcast. He says he got a raid yesterday, got like 20 new subscriptions. Good for you, King Pookie. Keep putting that material out there. Uh, there'll be talent scouts uh, looking for you and your show soon. All right, everybody, I am going to pull the plug on this edition of Dan and Aldo. What's the name of the show? Uh, Bear Their Souls. I'm thinking about changing the name of the show just to Bear Your Soul or something like that. The title of the show is kind of, I don't know. If you got any ideas, shoot them at me, crowdsource this thing. Let's make this show better than ever. How many uh, likes we got? We, we got 27 likes. Woo-hoo. Damn, but there's 68 people watching the show. You can't fucking push the little fucking like. <laughs> it takes one second. Literally one second. They're, they're, the they like have button. the show on, but they're busy fucking. And so they're not going to yeah. uh, take Half it Half of out. these guys are they're, they're in incognito because they don't want to admit to watching the show. They're in incognito <laughs> mode and they can't hit the like button. That's <laughs> right. They got to go watch porn after the show. Uh, King Pookie, everybody's wondering where is your show? People want to subscribe, they yeah. want to know, so let them know if you post it quickly. I'll put it on before we roll the credits. Yeah. I want to let yeah. people know that tomorrow, uh, we've got a show at 2 p.m. and it is uh, Bar Down Hockey Talk with the Parisi brothers and their cousins. Your guys, uh, they yeah, got a the lot of hockey brothers. to talk about. The all star game happened, all sorts of uh, I think the trade deadline for hockey is coming up. I know it is yeah. with the NBA, yeah. and we'll be covering all that, uh, here on the, on the Barroom Network Bulls 101, uh, on Saturday nights, Bulls Gold on audio podcast this weekend, um, uh, and episode number two of Draft on Tap with Danny Shimon and Neil Stopchinski. Mm-hmm. That's Thursday night, uh. And we might have a science fiction show tomorrow. If not, it will definitely be on the following week. And we'll be talking about what else? The Batman. Because it's coming out March 4th. And everybody wants to know what the fuck is going on with that. So we are hopefully going to have an expert uh, guest who is going to talk to us all things about uh, the Batman. And when I say us, I mean Salim Sudarwala and Carl Ames. They are the co-hosts of that show. He is John Santucci. Again, uh, John, uh, let people know where they can catch your show and your Twitter handle for those listening on the audio podcast network. Yeah, on YouTube, the Maximum Edge Sports Wagering Show. And on my Twitter page, every day about 5.30 Central. Uh, and on weekends, uh, usually in the morning around 10 a.m. Central, uh, talking uh, college basketball and 
We'll be talking Super Bowl. I'm 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 tomorrow night. I've got David Bierman and I talk every Wednesday night. David Bierman from ESPN uh, talk every Wednesday night uh, at eight o'clock Central, and uh, Thursday night or Thursday night we think we have guys from Wager Talk and. Friday, we've got Sean Higgs from Winning Picks and Picks and Parlays. And then Saturday, I've Matt Peralt from the Daily Juice podcast on Betting Pro. And we'll be talking uh, Super Bowl and giving out his best prop bets, too. Tonight, we had Brian Edwards. You can find it on my Twitter page. He gave out his best prop bets for the Super Bowl. That's the ones I gave you those two. Joe Burrow over 11 and a half rushing yards and Evan McPherson over one and a half field goals. And, uh, you know, every day I give out a free play on my Twitter page. All you have to do is uh, follow and retweet, and you receive a free play, which I don't know. I, don't, I think I've won, like, 10 of my last 11 games, free plays. So a little bit of a hot streak in college basketball. So. Keep on giving us winners there, amigo. Um, yep. All right, for uh, Dan Aguirre, Johnny Santucci, I am Aldo Gandia. And listen to that music in the background, man. Yeah, cool. You hear that? It's great. I love yeah, it. I, feel like- I love down tempo, chill out electronica, especially while I'm working. <laughs> I feel like fucking, but I'd have to wake up my wife, <laughs> and she wouldn't like that. <laughs> so- <laughs> my wife's at work, so I'm out of luck too. Oh, but you got yeah. the porn machine going. I porn <laughs> hub. Here I come. <laughs> <laughs> thank you, Johnny. Thank, thank all right, you all for all. Those of you who joined us live, thank you all very much. Bye-bye. <laughs>